welcome to episode 176 of the Collector's Quest podcast. In this episode, we're talking about finding value in what the market doesn't value. And not in like a specific recommendation type of way, like, oh my god, guys, no one's collecting N-Gage, everybody go collect N-Gage, it's undervalued. We're more talking about thinking in a way where you can find things that are interesting to collect that aren't super valuable, because it's not a factory-sealed NES Mario game, or something that has a billion eyes on it in the market right now. Because, you know, game collecting seems expensive right now, there's a lot of headlines, a lot of stuff has gone up in price, but there are so many interesting games that are either worthless or incredibly cheap compared to the really popular stuff to collect. So tell your mom about the show, give us five stars on iTunes, and let's go. tell you right now uh because i bagged bagging and boarding isn't but like the taping down yeah like my 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 thing used to be like after i read it then i would tape it down right and you'd keep it open until then yeah okay and then like it just became i never had time to read any comics and then if i did i was reading them on my phone and just <laughs> buying the physical artifacts right yeah so what happened is i just have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of comics thousands even that are just all open in their bags and boards. And I've been going through taping them down and my right thumb is raw uh, right now. Yeah, like god. It's it's so uh, it it is so inflamed like and swollen because they're sharp. Just well, like just from pulling the tape and the tape constantly pulling layers of skin off like slowly, you know? Yeah. Just like yeah, my whole thumb like <laughs> Carly's like you can't do this tonight. She's like your thumb is so swollen. She's like, you need to remember when we're like, who needs that tape thing? And we did that episode where we got rid of all that garbage. Yeah, I could have used a tape dispenser. Uh, so I wasn't holding my tape. Oh. <laughs> I could have just set it somewhere. Oh, man. Bless you. Thank also, you. I, I've started using painter's tape to close my comics. Uh, is that a thing? I feel like comic people would have had this figured out by now, Johnny. Yeah, they do. It's They, they say painter's tape. Ooh. That way you don't get the tape pull on the back of your... Backs and boards. Mm, okay. That's interesting. Um, yeah. Fuck. Fuck. How is there not a better thing than like an adhesive bag? I hate it. I hate it so much, Dude. Johnny. Well, and then like th there's all these like fake ones like, oh, here's these extra thick mylars. And like, I'm just like this. I don't it. want extra. I want extra thin. I want to fit more into a goddamn short box. Uh, well, that's the other thing. I've been going through short boxes, like trying to find like the right short boxes. Like I went, I bought a plastic one for comparison. I bought this like one that's like a canvas material. Wow. You're, that, like, you're some kind stuff. of fancy motherfucker over here, Johnny. Not just getting like BCW. Yeah. Well, I like, I'm looking at those too, like, cause obviously I have plenty of those, but I want to see like, Hey, you know, can I do better than these ones? Like, is there better? Especially cause I think long-term, like, you know, like if water or something shoots out of something or someone, you know, whatever happens. You know, what's the best way to keep that? And like cardboard is the worst thing because it'll protect it initially. But then after all the water sits in the cardboard, then the cardboard all gets moist and then just starts feeding in water, you know, I want to avoid that. I think exactly the same thing. And like you look at everyone in the comic 
industry and they're all just using cardboard boxes. So they're like, it feels like, oh, what if just an ocean of water came and ruined everything? But and they're just like, everyone's just like, YOLO, we're just going to put cardboard boxes because what are we going to do? Buy a $20 box every time we get 100 more comics? Because guess what? We're comic people. We have 100 comics every day. Yeah. Well, so yes, that's like pretty much where I got down to is like, I'm like, if I, I'm like, it would cost me a thousand dollars to get enough. Well, maybe not quite a thousand dollars, but it would cost me a, a pretty penny to get there. Like maybe $800 to get all plastic boxes. And then I was like, and then they don't fit on the shelves quite right. So that was annoying. I was like, are you kidding me? The, Just to uh, store a bunch of can't... comics you don't even need, Johnny, because fuck comics. Yeah, I know. That... <laughs> oh, man, you you don't know. Like, this is, Eric was like, what the fuck do you have all these comics for? Because he came by. Uh, but um, the the bigger issue I have is, uh, like, I read lots of weird comics. Like, you know, when I was 19 and 20 and, like, up to, like, 25, I would read whatever came out. Like, whatever weird shit was out there, like, oh, I'll read that. So I just, like, have so many bad and stupid, like, image comics, you know, just like, yeah. why? The stuff that Eric would look at and be like, why do you own this? What is yeah. wrong with you? Why didn't you buy a Spider-Man? What are you doing? Exactly. And then he's like, and then why didn't you buy a Spider-Man from 1960? Because modern stuff is worthless, Johnny. I mean, some of it, you would not believe the price, like for like the mint stuff, obviously. But I mean, this stuff's common. Johnny, hey, welcome back to another episode of Collector's Quest. I'm Tyler here with Johnny and Stefan. Nope, that's not true. Oh, give me shit about it today, Stefan. Uh, yeah, take that. We're here talking about how we don't collect comics, but still have a bunch of comics that we have to deal with because um, we didn't intentionally collect a bunch of comics. We just have a bunch of worthless comics that we have read at some point in our lives and uh, have been trucking them around for our entire adult lives. Is that correct, Johnny? Yeah. I mean, are you going to put that in the show or just put throw it in the after? I'm just going to. That's how we're coming into the show. Oh, we're man. talking about. Uh, $800 on some plastic comic book boxes, Johnny. Boy, that would be, uh, that's something that most people don't value enough when they're considering their comic collection. Yeah. Well, I, I'm going to go back to the same advice. Uh, if anyone has a pile of comics, not, and we're not going to talk about comics, the whole show, but, uh, (laughs) if, uh, if same way we talk about games, if you have spent thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars on comics and it's like your hobby, do yourself a favor and buy nicer boxes. Stop like slugging around these like shitty cardboard ones. Get like, and you keep, if you keep them in your house, no one wants to see those white boxes. Get, get something nice. I saw this guy. He's got like a beautiful setup. Just like if, if you're spending $50,000 on comics and then putting them in like, if you've got $50,000 of comics in $20 worth of cardboard, you're doing it wrong. So, okay, I agree, but I mean, I don't have, I have $0 worth of comics because I, I did, the, we've talked about this, I did the same thing you did. I If I wanted to read Identity Crisis, which is a DC event, there's seven books mm-hmm. in Identity Crisis. By, by Brad Wait. Metzler and, um, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yes, Johnny, thank you for the context. Um, <laughs> so it's a seven book thing, but you go and you look up like the comic book reading order because while these identity crisis books are coming out, there's mentions of identity crisis and there's things happening in, yeah, in fucking a, Teen Titans and Manhunter. So you look at like, what do I need to read to really understand identity crisis? 
and it's like 25 books. And this is just for this one seven book series. And so every storyline that I want to read, I would personally, I would just go to comiccollectorlive.com is where I'd buy all my comics. And I would buy like 75 books because there's some huge storyline that I want to read and I just buy everything. And most of them have like a two panel like cameo related to the storyline I care about. But I'll buy all these worthless comics and I'd never sell them. And I just have boxes and boxes of all these fucking worthless comics, Johnny. Um, and this is why I could never collect comics because that is how I read comics. So, and I'd like to own the stuff I read. And now I'm just like all digital because it's, it's an absolute nightmare. Yeah. Uh, it's so, too heavy. It takes up too much room and it's all worthless. It's, it's the worst. Um, but also the worst part about that is like people say, Oh, we'll just wait and buy the trade or whatever. One, I hate trades. Uh, I like nice hardcovers, but like trades, I just am not about. But then they don't put all the ancillary books in it. I so you just that sell it so much. Just, What's fuck, the man. point of collecting everything if you don't collect everything? It is it yes. drives me up the wall, especially like the digital versions. Like just give me the two panels from the book if, if that's all that matters, but just give it all to me. I'll pay yes. more. Put out yes. a 500-page Identity Crisis trade paperback. When I want to read Identity Crisis, I'm reading the fucking whole thing. Yes, and like put it in the proper reading order too. Just bind it all in the way I'm supposed to be reading it. Yep, yep. Just I'm so I'm I'm glad you're with me on that because I Comment. find that super annoying. Hey, hey there, uh, peoples, fix it. <laughs> it's bad. It's terrible. Fucking stop it. My, you're killing my OCD. And, and I think I said Metzler. It, it's Meltzer, right? That's Brad Meltzer, and I think it's Dave Meltzer. No, it's Brad. It's definitely Brad. What? Okay, I don't, you're not talking illustrated about illustrated by Michael Turner. At least the covers, right? Oh, you're still Maybe talking about comics? Book. I thought you were like making a Dave Meltzer reference. No. No, okay. CM Punk debuted on AEW. Holy shit, though. You see that? Uh, no, I don't watch wrestling. Well, I didn't, but then I saw he was going to debut, and I watched uh, anyway. a legal stream of TNT to watch it happen. And Man, it was pretty I can't cool, wait I for the wrestling episode, too. You know, someone in a recent <laughs> post mentioned that the wrestling episode was their favorite episode. I don't... Dude, shout out to you for getting anything out of that. I don't remember that episode at all. I just remember how much we make fun of it. Uh, yeah, well, he, you gave the tip on the N64, you know, dash one, so. Uh, the No Mercy USA dash one variant, which, like, by now, it's, like, one of the most popular rare N64 variants. It is very expensive now. It is no longer a thing, I think. You just refresh uh, your saved search every day and, and hope to find one. I'm guessing yeah, but back when you mentioned it, it was still like a deal. So you, you helped someone out. And I, it's not like I discovered it. I like there's like a there was a web page that explained exactly what it is and exactly how some got distributed from Overstock from like a guy who used to work at Activision. I forgot what the story was, but a bunch of them got uh, distributed new inbox basically. Yeah. So I, I know everyone's listening, thinking WTF <laughs> with the comics and this, right? Like, where are you going with this? Uh, I, it's like, I know you guys ramble, but this, the, this is a key tie in. Uh, let me tell you, that's a pun. That's Ooh. if you guys are paying. Wow. Um, I think yeah, the readers I, really value this. The readers, <laughs> the, the listeners readers. really value this, Johnny. Yeah. Yeah. So we're going to talk about uh, finding value um, in a market that you know finding the value in things that the market doesn't currently value um you know if if games are going the way of comics which a lot of the way they are comics has already got this dialed there's plenty of apps and stuff out there to look at what it's upsetting like 
because we hate Go Collect so much, right? But if you go to the Go Collect comic site, it's really good. Would you agree with that? Yes. I mean, Go Collect is where I generally look up like comic prices and things because everything it's, in comics is graded. So, yeah. Yeah. But it's crazy to me how dialed in comics are. And then, like, there's so many comics. There's, there's just so many released every week that just uh, truckloads of of paper hitting the streets every Wednesday. It's crazy. And they like beautiful sites, how things tie together, what your keys are, what makes how things tie together, what you should be buying. And video games has none of that. Um, So what comics does for itself is it basically generates value. It says, okay, well, if you're looking at these things like, Oh, this guy drew this book. Uh, and he also drew this famous book. So, you know, now this book, even though it's a nothing book, is kind of important and you should maybe think about collecting it. And uh, that's kind of some of the angles we're going to take. Not specifically that, but comics is a nice tie in to what we're going to talk about today. Um, do you have more to add to that, Tower? No, just that. I mean, if you go to Go Collect, and I, I don't know if Go Collect's the best place to look at it, it might be Key Collector that is the best Key place to look at it. Com. Uh, put in comic uh, code uh, <laughs> Tom101 for a free two weeks. Uh, what up, game fam? You this bring is... up any random comic on Go Collect, and it will give you some reason to care about it. And I I, I know Hulk 182 is not the most uh, weird comic in the world, but it says cameo appearance of Wolverine, first appearance of Crackajack Johnson, death of Crackajack Johnson. Fucking like first appearance of Crackajack Johnson, death of Crackajack Johnson. Is this a guy who appeared in one comic? It's like a key, both because it's his first appearance and his death. It's but uh, they they find a way to make anything valuable, and uh, and they break it down. Like I mean, we're in the graded world, right? So like, there's you know where things are just getting graded. It's way more reasonable to grade comics, by the way, uh, price-wise and time frame-wise. But if you go in and you look at all the grades, like the tiers, it's like, you can expect that it's worth this much here. This is how many have sold. Like, it's just, the level of information is insane. It's true. And and so uh, we're talking about, like, bullshit. Like, no one, no one actually values the death of Crackajack Johnson as no. a reason to like a comic. But we are going to talk about... What the market doesn't value in things you could think about uh, if you're basically trying to collect on a budget or uh, trying to collect the best things that maybe, you know, aren't black box NES games and high grade sealed water graded games, which are obviously things that are uh, very expensive right now. I don't even know what else is expensive. Fucking I see PS2 games selling for a thousand dollars. Like what's that from software PS2 games like Shadow Tower? Am I am I wrong? You know what? You know what? I bet game value now is wrong, and I'm right, and it is Shadow Tower. Let's let me look it up. Oh, you think game <laughs> value now might be wrong? Uh, no, you can get it for what the? I swear this was like a this is Super Nintendo. I watched a video of his that were like, what are the best Who? PS2 games? Yeah, I know it's it's a guy with a face that you're gonna hate, but uh. Uh, stop with the YouTube face. Let's just a public announcement. Fucking stop it. Like you look like, like this is bad. You look, you make a face and it looks, you look like a baby who doesn't like vegetables. Just knock that shit off. Like, oh man, have we really gotten to the world where like, I need to like see someone's face and be like, oh yeah, here we go. That feeds into my confirmation bias. I'll definitely watch this video now. I wanted to hate that. Or, yeah, I wanted to like it, and he's got a happy face. I'll watch that. It's so stupid. It's so stupid. Just, oh, man, YouTube face is so dumb on so many levels. 
Johnny, the, the game I'm thinking about does not exist. I have made something up. I'm pretty sure I'm thinking of Shadow Tower, and I made up in my mind that it's like a $900 game, and no, it is it's not. expensive. I'm just thinking of PS4. Shadow Tower, which is $200. What am I talking about, Johnny? Uh, people are finding value in that because of the publisher from software. Because, spoiler alert, no one gives a fuck about Shadow Tower. I'm going to tie this right into the episode, but they are collecting- but They do care about Kingsfield? The- I think people care about more more about Kingsfield than Shadow Tower. Absolutely. Um, wait, what'd you say? Absolutely not? I said abs- absolutely they do. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But people are collecting the From Software developed game set, which has pushed Shadow Tower way up because it's an uncommon game, even though, you know, really no one cares about Shadow Tower. But it looks like a lot of other From Software games. Uh, it obviously, they make a certain kind of... Simple, gothic, dark, probably very hard, horror-ish game. Yeah, like, while you're at it, don't forget your age tech games while you're there. Johnny, give us some examples of some age tech games. There, there's lots. They did, like, uh, I think they did Wild Arms on the PS2, but they also did, like, The Adventures of Cookie and Cream. And like Fisherman's Bass. Like, they're all over the place. Like, they have games that are super expensive, and then all of yeah. a sudden... <laughs> You know, well, so they, they're Kingsfield, a publisher, and they've published like a bunch of of from software games, clock, like yeah, Cookie they, and Cream. <laughs> but they also did Kuan, and they did like Clock Tower, and um, just so you know, they, they also did Shadow Tower. <laughs> yeah, and Ku, uh, is Kuan a from software game? Uh, yeah. There well, I don't know about that. I, it they, is okay. Yeah, just get all them from from software. I'm gonna look up Cookie and Cream right now. I was going to say it's going to be $100. Cooking cream. No, it's like Black bucks. label is $10. $20. Yeah. I'm going to buy cooking cream at the end of this episode, Johnny. Yeah. Don't forget Kingfield, uh, Kingsfield, the ancient city on PS2. You know, there's all the armor tech games. They, they made so many games. They, they've got like a lot of bizarre ones. They've got like, uh, just like on the PS1, they've got a bunch of junk games, but they also have things like Echo Knight. So, and then, you know, Echo Knight Beyond on the PS2. So. It's just, they're all over. I think some people care about those, but also I've I, literally, I don't think I've ever heard anyone talk about playing an Echo Knight game. I've heard maybe one person on YouTube talk about playing one of the Echo Knight games, but it's the soul series. I think that people are collecting uh, from software games for. No, stop oh. it, Johnny. Anyway, oh, okay, I'll stop. You don't have to stop it. Um, okay. It's, it's really, it's Metal Wolf Chaos, guys. It's, it's really the best Xbox game. I'm not lying. Are you sure? Johnny, we're going to talk about some categories of things that you might uh, look at collecting. And like, this isn't everything, just like some ideas of some things that yeah, so, you can collect. Yeah, so some some ways to maybe look at games. Like, this is just an alternate lens to look at stuff for when you're collecting. Because everything feels so dumb and expensive and like, all hope is lost. And it's not. Things have gotten like crazy expensive in a lot of areas, but a lot of stuff is still fine, and you can find still value by just kind of shifting your perspective a little. Tower's going to help you with it right now. So you say that, but it hasn't always been focused. That that lens hasn't been focused on what it's focused on right now, because now people say like, "Oh, it's a key Mario game," and you're just like, "Yeah, okay." Yeah, that's every. But Mario. like five years ago, you say that shit, and you'd just be like. That's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. It's not rare, so who cares? Because that lens of what the market cared about was 100% rarity five years ago. 
Uh, well, not 100% rarity, but mostly rarity. Mostly rarity. I know there's, oh man, you can get Tell into ra- everything that the market actually cares about and why Sachin doesn't matter for some reason and all that. Yes, I know. Uh, but so going into what we just started talking about, I'm going to say uh, creator ludographies, which is a made up word that I've literally only ever read on a single Wikipedia page. But if you define ludography on uh, on Google, you get some dictionary page that says like the body of work of games that someone has created. And the only th- place I've ever seen it is there's a page on Wikipedia for Shigeru Miyamoto's ludography. So it's like a discography for games. Uh, okay. And so people collect publisher sets. I see a lot less people collecting individual game creator sets. And if there was one like Hideo Kojima and Shigeru Miyamoto might be popular people to collect, but like there's you get it down into the nitty gritty of like composers and things like that. I've never seen someone post on like social media. Check out my composer set of what's the, the Jesper Kid. I've never seen anyone post uh, a Jesper Kid set with everything from Subterranea up through the Assassin's Creed games through whatever he did after that. Because I, I don't know, Jesper Kid's a cool guy. Johnny, have you ever thought about collecting something like this? Uh, a ludography? Don't call it a ludography. Just call it all the games from a certain video game person. Yes. Who have you done that for? I mean, you you have all these sets, so you probably have a lot of it built in. But Yeah, well, I mean, that's the other thing. Like, I'll go look. Uh, but you know, like Miyamoto, I've, I've looked at his and they're like, maybe I should complete this shout out to you devil world. Um, you know, I look, I haven't done it yet. I'm not saying I have, but, um, yeah, I've, I've looked at it. I've looked at that, you know, and said, okay, maybe, maybe this, or, you know, maybe not like, you know, games are hard because especially if they've been in the business for a long time, like they probably worked on some really shitty games. That's but. so that's the thing. Uh, uh, Miyamoto, I think, is easy because his really early work, I think his first game was Sheriff in it's an arcade game. And it's like, all right, you don't really have to count that because it's an arcade game. You can't really own it. Uh, like, what what does his actually start with? Is it is oh, Donkey Kong? Uh, but yeah. again, it's like home ports, whatever. You'll figure out how to collect Miyamoto games how you want. Uh, but another example would be John Carmack. You think of John Carmack, you think, oh, you know, Doom, Commander Keen. He has like a dozen games before Commander Keen and you won't find any of them. So if you're trying to like beat, like, I don't know, beat the market, not really beat the market, but just buy something that wouldn't be prohibitively expensive, collecting John Carmack games would be incredibly prohibitively expensive just because of how rare his super early stuff is. So you you probably have to pick someone that started with a bang or it could be fun to find something that no one cares about. Um, The first... uh, Hideo Kojima game, I believe, is Antarctic Adventure on the MSX, which it's not really... This is a bad example because it is an expensive game. It's like a couple hundred bucks, I think. Uh, But there would be games like that for lesser-known people that are a little bit rare that no one has... No one puts any value on except for the fact that it's the first game by this person. And I've literally never heard anyone, like, say, oh, check this out. This is the first game by this person. So I think it's cool. Yeah, I I mean, it's a lot like... Imagine that lots of people collect like this, like, oh, I'm going to buy all the, you know, shmups for this system. Like, that's a thing normal people do. Now, you're just kind of taking that and flipping it over and and adjusting the focus to, you know, maybe to the creator side. And a lot of those guys, uh, like, I know a lot of the shmup guys, like, they follow the same, 
the same makers. I don't know if they go for their whole library because people work on so many different things, but you know, um, some, some people get bound into a genre and you know, that's all they work on. Yeah. And, uh, I think like something, someone like Cliffy B. I'm bringing this up just because it came up on Collector's Quest. Kaczynski. I think Cliffy B's, uh, like all his credits wait, wait, would be came fun up to on collect. Collector's Quest. We are Collector's Quest. Yeah. We brought up Cliffy B already. So we brought up Cliffy B's first game. I don't remember how this came up. We brought oh. up Cliffy B's first game, The Palace of Deceit. Is that it? Someone fact check me on that, but actually don't. He made it when he was like a teenager or worked on it at least. And, like, you can get Jazz Jackrabbit, which, I mean, Jazz Jackrabbit's expensive, but you can get them. You can get all the Unreal games. You can get all the Gears of War games. But when you get to the Palace of Deceit, you're probably going to spend a few hundred dollars on that. But that would be the one, like, capstone to your set. And once you have that, it's, like, it's not going to be a problem to get the rest of the Cliffy B games. So I think that would be a very fun set to collect, as it only really has one roadblock. That is somewhat feasible. It, it is Palaces of Deceit. And the other thing that's a little bit different about video games is because, like, uh, for comic books, it comes out pretty much in one medium. I guess maybe you decide if you buy the trade and the hardcover or, or some variant covers. But with, like, say, Jazz Jackrabbit, right? Like, which version are you talking about? Because there's also... Well, there's like the GBA and there's computer ones. Like, huh. what? What? You're not you're not buying the GBA version if you're getting. So all you're the buying the MS DOS version. Yeah, but that's what I'm saying. Like, if you're buying his whole library, like, what? Where does that end? Well, I mean, like, do you go you're the one creating the limits for yourself, Johnny. That's true. If you're creating all, if you're getting all the comic book people guy, all the, I, I'd have to think of a lesser guy who doesn't have like hundreds of comics to his name. But like, do you get all the the one of twenty five cover variants? Does that is that necessary for the set? I would say no. no. I would just get my favorite one of each and then maybe work on it from there. Yeah. I mean, there's like, there's a lot of cover artists that I like. I, you know, I, my Halloween cover art. Like. like if Stefan was here, he'd be like, oh yeah, I collect all of the whatever cover artists for NES games. I'm sure he knows all the cover artists. I have no idea who NES cover artists are. Um, I know you're talking uh, neither about do comics, I. But. Yeah. But like, you know, there's people, I mean, people definitely do follow cover artists and then buy all of their work. Especially if Do they're they? really good. For yeah. video games? I mean, the video game people buy for, like literally all their games. artwork, but... Yeah, no. I We can't talk about the video game art people. Those people are insane. I, I don't like... I agree. Stefan, you have any comment on that? Nope, he all agrees. Right. <laughs> he, he agrees. Uh, yeah. Anyways, I the reason I bring up uh, the GBA one is because that's like kind of an expensive game on the GBA. And yes, you are correct. It is Palace of Deceit is his first game. Back in 1991, and then it's Dare to Dream, and then Jazz Jackrabbit, and then Jazz Jackrabbit 2. Um, but yeah, that Jazz Jackrabbit game is on the GBA. So, like, which version are you getting? You, you have to make those choices. But that's I, the beauty of it. I bet you can Cliffy B had nothing to do with the GBA version, but I could be wrong. That guy mm. was a superstar. Oh, well, no, that was before. I don't know. Was he a superstar? How cool was Unreal Tournament? In my life, Unreal Tournament was a pretty big deal, but maybe uh, it was just yeah, another I game mean, was... on the road to making a career for him. Yeah, so it was rebooted on the GBA in 2002, and this these were back in, like, 94. Um, I mean, I'm sure he has some kind of credit. So uh, that's another thing. Like, if he's just a producer or a special thanks on that, like, would you count that? I don't know. Because Miyamoto has all these games where he's, like, a producer on, and they're not, like... 
I don't know if I would call it a Miyamoto game if it's just something that he produced but someone else directed. So I would personally be going for all the games that Miyamoto directed. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, it's important to kind of create that that focus too. Um, but yeah, I I don't think I would like if I was doing it. I don't think you would have to lump in the GBA one. And I think you're right. Like removing director or like only things that he had a definite hand in being a director is a big deal. Being a producer could be, you know, people get slapped with producer credits for all kinds of reasons. Uh, yeah. Stefan executive producer at 2k games. You got any comment on that? Oh, he agrees again. All right. That's, that's very weird. Um, um I'm channeling Stefan. Um, <laughs> he said something insulting to you. Don't worry about it. It's fine. He's over it. Um, yeah, but he agrees mostly. Oh, actually, okay. he doesn't agree. He argues with you until you both realize that you agree. And then that's how it goes. Uh, I've got a, a special update here. Um, okay. I was going to say a great example of a game that clearly got a bump because of uh, of just the credits of who worked on the game is Mole Mania recently is on fire. It's like at least really? $50, I think, for a cartridge of Mole Mania. <laughs> The the Game Boy game, the Mole Mania? Game Boy. There's one ending in six hours. It's already at forty five dollars shipped, and it's Mole got Mania, writing like, on the cartridge. Classically cheap Game Boy game, even in box. Uh, to, to complete in box copies are fucking gone, Johnny. They are gone. <laughs> okay, so what happened that made Mole Mania? I have no. Someone figured out that it's a first party Nintendo game, and it's pretty cool. And it's not just like a stupid mini game that it sounds like. It sounds like a stupid game, but it's like a cool puzzle game. And someone yeah, figured it, it out. It looks and like a wa- They're all gone. Oh my god, there! <laughs> it's- Jesus goodness, the the PAL copies are over two hundred dollars. <laughs> uh, let's go what find the happening? last complete in box Mole Mania. That's oh my people are like buying the Japanese versions. Um. Oh my god, the last four that sold complete in box on eBay were Japanese. There's a Wada one. There's another. There's two more Japanese ones. So we're up to yeah, six I mean, Japanese before very, I've seen a, a U.S. copy. The U.S. copy I'm seeing is graded. So, and it had that ugly new release sticker on it. A Mole Mania um, has not sold on eBay for two months, Johnny. And I think that's before it went for 122 bucks. And that's before like, all this craziness. Uh, no, started. one sold on August 11th. Oh, and good. it was Wada graded and sealed yeah, for count. 1300 I mean, honestly, with the way these prices are going, thirteen hundred for a sealed one doesn't seem bad. Yeah, yeah, it seems like a deal at this point. Uh, I was going to say that's a relatively unknown directed by Shigeru Miyamoto game, but it's not. He's a producer on that, Um, so I don't know. I don't know. Maybe maybe collect producer credits. What do I know? Do whatever you want. Uh, The whole point of this episode is do whatever you want. But here, so if we are following the world of like, say, what comics does, the minute. People like if this was a new game coming out and they found out like Miyamoto was attached to it, even as a producer, they would start specking on it immediately. Oh, yeah. So I mean, what know, it's the, uh, literally the only reason I bought uh, the uh, I what's the Audacity Games game? Oh, my God. I can't even remember the name of the game. <laughs> Circus Convoy, which is uh, the David Crane game. He made a new game company. Uh, oh, and yeah, they're yeah. putting out new Atari games. Like I wouldn't. There's so much Atari homebrew that comes out, but like fucking a new game by David Crane, that's what makes it awesome. Man, I I guess I'm glad I own my copy of Mole Mania. That's that's my takeaway from this segment. Jesus, Mole Mania, Mole Mania, guys. Johnny, gee, like literally your reaction right now, Jesus, Mole Mania. Talk about a game I have put on the back burner forever. In the back of my mind, I'm always like, Mole Mania is a cool game. 
I will be able to pick that up literally whenever. Whenever. Because when is the world going to care about Mole Mania? The answer is August 2021, guys. The Mole Mania train is leaving the station. And like wow. now that there's been some kind of hype on it, it'll never be cheap again. It's just no, it, I mean, especially for a Game Boy game about price box, there's just not enough of those. But I mean, there's like people are asking eighty five dollars for this right now. What Dude. is happening? I can't believe this yes. one's got bids on it for forty one dollars. This is a game you find in like, and it's got writing on the side. It's like a gross copy. Oh my god, there's people asking over a hundred dollars for a loose cart. Mole mania. <laughs> What is happening? Yes. Okay. So this episode is more relevant than you than you ever thought. Look for all the dumb ways things can be tied together, especially when all these people are coming from comic books, right? You know, people who are going to drive the market in weird ways, uh, whether we want them to or not. You know, look at look at how it's done. Look at the things that they tie together. Look at like look at all their logic strings and be following those uh, and start applying them to games because. Holy God, if Mole Mania can reach $100 cart only, the sky's the limit for everything else. I Hey, Johnny. Mole Mania. I'm going to tie this into our next example category of how to find value in something the market doesn't care about is make up some dumbass criteria that makes something a first appearance, Johnny. Kirby's Adventure, Absolutely. it's the first appearance of pink Kirby, his classic color. This is more of a way to basically sell your games that don't have something as important. But if you look at almost any game, there's there's something you could come up with something that is the first something like Mario 2 is the first time Luigi has his flutter jump or something. You can come up with all Mario, sorts of first appearances. GTA, for any number it's of the first first instance of a, a Super Mario Land title. Wait, what? On the Game Boy, like Super, Super Mario, Mario Land, Land is the first Super Mario Land. Well, that's what they would say. It's the first iteration of Land because there are now more Mario Lands outside of just the GBA games or the GB games. But but that's a series. That's like saying that I Super know. Mario but Brothers that's the if we're Super looking at how comics would tell you. If you're saying a, a way to make it like this is, you know, obviously Batman number one. You know, uh, that's not true because Batman number one isn't the first appearance of Batman. But uh, new, whatever new character, Miss Marvel one or whatever, you're like, oh, you know, first appearance. It would say in like the key element of it, like first appearance of that character, even though it's the title named or the series named for that character. Okay, let's come up. Let's let's pick Johnny. Pick a game. We're gonna we're gonna come up with some criteria on the fly of why it's worth collecting. Okay. Um, do you want me to go Nintendo or Sega or PlayStation? Uh, let's go Sega because no one cares about Sega games, so we're gonna have to find a reason. For okay. To care about this. Um, so probably not Musha. Great example, Johnny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> probably not that one. Um, let's see. I'm just gonna scroll, 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 scroll. Um, Jurassic Park. Hmm. That's not like really a good one. Is it not a good one? I mean, Jurassic Park's what? Five bucks? I'm going to say 20 bucks in the modern era. For um, Well, I mean, I think all the things have already happened with Jurassic Park. Like, you know, um, new television tie-ins, reports of new movies. You know, it's the first first iteration of... Uh, Doug Tenapel did the art for Jurassic Park on the Sega Genesis. I bet you didn't know that. 
Someone knew that, but you know what? There's no value in the game because people actually know that. That's true. I'm trying to think, like, what else would you say about Jurassic Like, I would be hyping it based on the new stuff that's happening in Jurassic Park. Like, go buy this old, this oldie but goodie uh, while it's cheap. Like, this is a $10 game. Get it now before the next movie takes off or, you know, they start thinking about remaking the original series because Jurassic Park is a series that will get remade or something at some point. People are going to keep revisiting this idea forever. Like, if you don't understand, like one of the key differences in Jurassic Park that the difference between, say, the book and the movie Jurassic Park, one of the fundamental changes was putting more focus on the kids because Steven Spielberg realized that kids love dinosaurs. You know, it wasn't just a throwaway uh, conceit like it was in the book to make things even more difficult to like feed into Ian Malcolm's chaos theory events. It was like Steven Spielberg said, oh, yeah, kids love dinosaurs. Let's put uh, if you make kids more of the star, you can put more elements of the show from the kids eyes. And now kids will be more tied into it and they already love dinosaurs so because that's true they're going to keep making jurassic park movies because they always make money um and the jurassic park movies that did worse were jurassic park movies where they took the attention away from the children so uh by these games as now jurassic park realizes that the attention should be at the level of children because they are the ones who are going to drive this franchise forever and now all the people who watch jurassic park are old enough to really be investing in it and it's got Lego sets now and everything. So yeah, now's the time. Buy Jurassic Park. All right. I feel like you were looking at this more from my, my hype angle and less of a reason yeah. that the game is interesting to collect. But I mean, yes, if you true. are a person who buys into hype like that, then I guess yeah. uh, you'd be well, correct. I think a lot of people are. Something like, that I would you're... be more personally interested in. Uh, Jurassic Park is the first game to use Sega's internal rating system and get a general audience yes. rating. Yep. I was going to bring that up. Perfect. Next, Perfect. For random first that I guarantee it adds like, no value to the game right now in the market, but it's an interesting absolutely thing. not. Uh, so maybe less made up would be like actual first appearances, and I'm going to say however you define that because, uh, let me think. Well, okay, like a perfect example would be like obviously no one is going, not no one, but the way the market is valuing, especially sealed and high end CIB games right now, in terms of first in series and first appearance, no one's going to the Japan Japanese version and getting the real first appearance of Kirby. No one is buying new old stock uh, Kirby's Dreamland for a Japanese Game Boy. I mean, someone is, True. but it's not like the hot thing to have on social media in a lot of case. Um, or, or Donkey Kong, another perfect example. Uh, I would say, what's the most valuable Donkey Kong right now? It's probably the NES black box version. I think an NES black box version that's like really nice or sealed probably sells for more than a Donkey Kong cabinet. It's probably the Red Cab uh, arcade unit. Mm, okay, you might actually be right there because I don't know what that's worth. Uh, I bet it. I bet a sealed Donkey Kong in like really nice uh, high grade would be worth more than even a uh, red Bravo. Donkey Kong just because arcade... The people don't. I roll just, I just wanted to sit, say that just to make you happy. I knew that would just. I love you, you Johnny. You know what you could do? You can go. You could buy a fucking Donkey Kong PCB and be like, "This is the first appearance of Mario." Or you could buy a Donkey Kong Game and Watch and be like, "This is the first home appearance of Mario." Or you could buy the Atari and ColecoVision games and be like, "These are the first console appearances of Mario." There's like all these different ways to define first appearance, and usually there's so few people that are like. I'm just controlling the narratives of these markets that it's like, 
you don't have to listen to what people say is the important game. You could just go get what you think is the important game. And we're probably like we talk about stuff like we're one of the people we're one of the voices in the conversation of video game collecting. But uh, yeah, there's plenty of others. And I think you should listen to none of them in determining what is the most important thing. So, OK, uh, back to Jurassic Park. We're talking about how to uh, just to go back there. So we're talking about like ways to find and make it unique. So I would say avoid the Genesis version and actually buy the NES version. Although most of these, like it's a one, it's a late print Nintendo game. So it's got, yeah, I would call it like, uh, you know, part of the, uh, red bar series, you know, on the Nintendo that's got the red line on top. Uh, but also it came out on the NES first, not because the NES was the earlier system. I mean, it's 1993 when these came out. So all of them, you know, all like Game Boy, Genesis, Super Nintendo, all that's out, but it came out on the NES in June, as opposed for the Genesis and the Game Boy, where it came out in August. So, so, so it's the first Jurassic Park uh, video game. Yeah, and you, is that including computers? No, I, you know, I don't look. I don't count computers. What? Those don't play games. <laughs> but is it? Do you know if it is? I no, I don't know. If, uh, we're going to find out the, the arcade like, game because I don't, after. that's good. I mean, so, uh, like super Nintendo is weirdly the latest one because that came out in October. Okay. Oh, wait, computer video game, Johnny. Oh, here it is. It's for Amiga and DOS and it came out in the UK in October, 1993. How does that compare that's to any after that's after June, 1993. Oh, look at that. Everybody go get the NES Jurassic park. The first Jurassic Park video game, which I'm sure is not something the market doesn't value right now because it's an NES game and NES is ridiculous right now. But uh, that's a great example, Johnny, of stupid bullshit to look at and be like, oh, no one is talking about Jurassic Park being uh, the first Jurassic Park video game. It even predates the Amiga game. <laughs> yeah. I wonder, did it come out in Japan? I wonder. Uh, on Famicom, you mean? Yeah. I mean... Uh, according to Wikipedia, the the authority on release dates, it does not appear to have. So this would be a U.S. exclusive first release in the U.S. Hoo-hoo, Johnny. And the first one. All no one can bullshit you on this one. You can't be like, oh, the Famicom version came first. You get Jurassic Park on NES. You've got the thing, Johnny. And we are all also, about getting Jurassic the thing. Also, Jurassic Park should be more expensive as it came out in June 1993 on the Nintendo, well into the Super Nintendo existing. Let's look at what a complete Jurassic Park cost. There's a there's one for ninety dollars, probably a steal. Uh, there's one for eighty five, one for a hundred, one for one hundred and eighty, and let's look at what's sold. Yeah, it's selling in the seventy to a hundred dollar. Well, it's all over the place, obviously, because it's NES. It's like a hundred dollar game. I mean, there's a lot of them, considering it is such a late yeah. release. I guess it's like Kirby's Adventure, where people were like, wow, Jurassic Park was cool. I want the Nintendo game. Yeah, I mean, us came out. Are you, like, you're like hyping me, like, do I need a Jurassic Park? I don't even know if I have a Jurassic Park. I might already have this. And there's only one copy that has the poster, but the box isn't in nice condition. But do I want oh, the one with the nicer box and no poster? I don't know. Actually, I would probably there's buy actually, the nicer box and then find yeah. hope to find a poster. Oh, there. you know what? They're they're all kind of shitty boxes, except for the fucking hundred eighty dollar one, which also doesn't have the poster. And I would not call this box in a hundred eighty dollar condition. 
which, I mean, that's obviously not surprising because a lot of people have been speculating on NES and just licensed properties that anyone knows. People are probably buying these to go with their sealed Jurassic Park VHSs right now. Absolutely. <laughs> this is bad. We, we're going to have to talk about VHSs right now. Uh, it's it's gross. Anyways, um, um, I, I, what, what more... Yeah. What else? What other criteria? So we did Kirby, and like that's a weird. You know, we can make a first appearance of Pink Kirby. Um, you know, uh, you could probably. There's probably like Smash Brothers probably does a lot of first things. So like, you should buy Smash Brothers because it's probably a bunch I've of got key one elements that there. I've even seen uh, used to try to hype a game, and in my opinion, they were wrong. I've seen someone who shall not be named call Mario no photo P on N64, the rarest Mario game. And oh, I will true. say he has corrected his auction listings to say it's the rarest Mario N64 game, which sure, probably, I don't know. Maybe the disc, yeah. the, the rare disc drive games. I don't know. Um, what is, what's the yeah. rarest Mario game? Because you could define Punchball? that in all sorts of different ways. R- Red cab, donkey Kong. <laughs> Uh, I mean, so that's an interesting one, because if we looked at raw production numbers, it wouldn't be. And it depends on what is a Mario game, too. But if you include how many have gone to the dump, it, yes, it's it maybe a red cabinet Donkey Kong. But there's like weird yeah. promos and stuff. Uh, Like, is sure. Nintendo World Championships gold its own Mario game? Or is it just under Nintendo World Championships and it's a variant? It's its own thing because it doesn't have the whole ROM on there. Right? What? The championship one? Like I thought it was a limited ROM. Like it's not it's not the same ROM on there. What are you you're telling me the gold and gray have different ROMs? That seems crazy to me, Johnny. In fact, oh, that no, seems no, almost no. Impossible. not 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 the difference between the gold and gray, just on the championship cards in general. Oh yeah. But I mean it was still is it a Mario game? It's got Mario in it. I think it is. I think it's a Mario game. I would say it's the first appearance of Mario as a competition game. Is that true? That's, I mean, that's not even true. I don't know. Because in Japan, there was a Mario... Uh, Mario Golf. Golf, whatever it's called. Yeah. It's yeah, called... We messed this up before we said that there's... like We came up with the first Mario sports game, and we said it was Mario Tennis on uh, uh, on Virtual Boy. Mm. But actually, in Japan, uh, NES Open Golf is called, like, Mario's Open Golf. So, somehow, we screwed that up. But, yeah, it's not even the first... Uh, competition mario game i'm just thinking i just did i did i ever bring up that golf prize on this show yet we did god i want to bring that up johnny yeah you you want to say it again i know this because we talked about it (laughs) this is the only reason i know so in japan there was a famicom disc system contest for the games famicom golf japan course and famicom golf u.s course You would, like, fax in your scores with, like, this weird disk system fax terminal that I guess were at retailers. And it's assumed that the top 10,000 scores were sent out these special gold disks of the game. So there's a gold Japan course disk and a gold U.S. course disk. But those aren't, like, incredibly rare or anything. There's assumed to be 10,000 of them. They show up all the time. But at least for Japan course, the top 100 players were sent this wooden box that had a gold disc, but it had a special course on it. I believe it was called Championship Course. So it's a Nintendo game, a unique Nintendo game. There are only a hundred copies of, and you play as Mario in these games. It's a unique Mario game, 
there are only a hundred copies of. And this is so far outside like American collector conscious. You can't even find like pictures of this. There is at least one picture of this somewhere on the internet. Uh, like no one is is collecting this and being like, this is the rarest Mario game. This extremely rare top 100 championship disc system gold disc finding weird rare stuff like that. Uh, and, you know, Mario would be one that there's probably a lot of people trying to figure out what the rarest Mario shit is right now. But uh, I don't know. The rarest Fire Emblem stuff is uh, maybe a little more obscure. So a good way to go about, like, looking at, at this lens that, that we're going down right now is ask yourself a question. Find some amount of obscurity and then find the answer and then you can create collectability and then you'll, like, you'll find value. Because if you're thinking about it, one day someone else is going to think about it. That's... You know, uh, as far as original thoughts go, especially on such a narrow topic, there aren't going to be that many. So right now, if I was sitting down and I was thinking about something I wanted to buy, I would say, hmm, what was the first comic character to get a video game? Like, what was the first game to have a comic book or based off of a comic book character or based off of a comic book? And I would go look for that. And then I would do the same thing with what was the first game based off of a book or, and then a movie and I would find those games and I'd be like, yeah, these are, these are the big ones. Like here's some cool ones. And then I, you know, uh, first of genres re- real easy. Like what was the first, you know, shmup or what was the first, you know, platformer you could go down the line like that, asking yourself those kinds of questions, doing the research, finding, because every, what you'll find is there's a bunch of bullshit surface level answers. And then if you keep digging, you'll find the real good stuff that Tyler likes to collect. And uh, then you can shout about it on Instagram and on this podcast. Oh my God. And be like, no, that's not the first print. What it really is. It's, it's, oh, that's, that's my impression of Tyler. Uh, I love the bullshit, Johnny. I, yeah. I love the weird edge cases. And like, when you're looking, especially looking at genres, it's like, what is a platform game? So what, like a lot of sort like what you would look at wikipedia you'd go to the platform game it would probably say space panic is the first platform game which is a game that just has like platforms and ladders you can't jump and it's like you start thinking about what's the definition of a platform game can it be a platform game if you can't jump is that is that part of a platform game i would say yes you need to be able to jump for it to be a platform game but you know maybe not maybe the wikipedia editors know better than i do What's uh what's that computer game that was like predates Pong but is like Pong? Computer Space? Oh no, that predates Pong but is like Pong. Yeah, it was like basically just you hit a ball back and forth to each other. The Magnavox Odyssey. Pong. Yeah, well, I thought that was one like in Tennis some, for two. Uh, the the one that was like on the college campuses in the in the computer. Compu- talk about this? Uh Space War? Was it Space War? Space War is like a one on one spaceship shooting game oh, in a gravity well. I maybe don't think we're talking. Anyways, I, w- I, I was. Confused. I'm going a long way to make a joke that, you know, oh Pong uses fuck, a platform. Is a joke? <laughs> yeah, uh, just that, you know, Pong uses a platform to hit a ball. So it was that a Oh platform? my fucking God. You spent all that setup to make that joke? That was your joke? <laughs> <sighs> it wasn't a good one. I'm not proud of it. My, I couldn't get the answer fast enough to make the joke flow. I, I did a bad job. You don't edit it out though. Let the people know that sometimes I fail. Okay, perfect. Um, my favorite uh, thing about thinking about historical firsts, especially in things like genres, is everything comes back to the Magnavox Odyssey. In like the completely, if you 
completely like break how you think about anything. It'll be like, oh yeah, this I guess is a video game that has some aspect of horror, like Haunted House on the Magnavox Odyssey. It's moving two dots around the screen and it comes up if you search for the first survival horror game. It's like, there are elements to this genre that are not apparent on the Magnavox Odyssey. Or my favorite, the first female protagonist in a video game. There's a Simon Says game where you put an overlay over your screen with a boy and a girl and player two plays as the girl, first female protagonist in a video game. No, it's chess. The queen. Uh, uh, well, okay, Johnny. I literally, if we don't do an episode on female protagonists, I will do it myself, and I'll put it in as a filler episode because I love there's the bullshit on female protagonists with things like a chess queen. Does that count as a female playable character? Yes, I want to get into it, but not here. We're talking about finding value and what the market doesn't value. But that's something you could ask yourself. Uh, a hole you could go down. And find all the games that had female protagonists, you know, the first 10 games that ever had female protagonists, and then build yourself a little collection. And then one day people are going to be like, oh, that's worth money. Shit, we should have thought of that. Uh, yeah, it would, it would be Metroid, right? That's the first one. Yep, absolutely. Uh, I have a, I put a, a guide on on video game stage of early female protagonists, and I p- I picked out like specifically I put the cutoff at 1986, so I could just list 50 games before Metroid with female protagonists because I love that shit. Fuck Metroid! I'm so set. Johnny, this is gonna be a separate episode. I want to be a separate episode on fuck Metroid. It H- hold on, not- hold on. What? <laughs> Aren't you the biggest Metroid fan on the show? I am the biggest Metroid fan on the show, but not because oh, it has a female fuck. protagonist, even though Sam. Yeah, because you hate women. I'm not even going to jokingly agree with that, Gianni. No, no, you should not. Uh, That's something you should very clearly state that that is categorically not true. Uh, Johnny has just been kicked off the show. No, I'm not. Um, not dead yet. Johnny, I don't know why I put this in a in a different category here, but I put the first game by creators that you could get. So rather than collect their entire... Oh, okay. Well, oh, we got two updates here. So, Johnny... Okay. I went to find the Shigeru Miyamoto ludography Wikipedia page, and they've changed yeah. it to Shigeru Miyamoto list of games. Strike it from the record. Ludography is no longer a word. But Wow, they just removed it. They just It's out of the dictionary, guys. Even Wikipedia Maybe... was like, this is a little much. You guys are editing a little bit much here. Like, why wouldn't you just call it gameography? I, I don't know. That seems like what it would be. Why wouldn't you just make it easy? Uh, yeah. Well, let's see. Like, discography is a little bit weird because we're going to get out of the disc era filmography we do still make some movies on film hmm yeah but still film is still known to known as like what the things are called and they're still called films Mm. oh you're right okay on digital yeah so should we (laughs) johnny i've got it we'll call it cartography oh good (laughs) perfect um but you could yeah, I see how you map that out. That was a good job. <laughs> I don't, I don't even know what my point here, my point, you could collect the first game by some guy. And I just gave an example. Yu Suzuki's first game is champion boxing for the SG 1000 in 1984. And you think Yu Suzuki, you think all these Sega AM two arcade games outrun no, no, no. and hang on and Shenmue. We don't talk about that one. 
but his first game's like champion boxing for the FC 1000. Yes, Daddy Mulk on our fucking Collector's Quest Discord knows about champion boxing on the SG-1000, but for the most part, no one is buying copies of Champion Box. It's like a $40 game, and it's cool. It's Yu Suzuki's first game. Uh, that's something I bought earlier this year. And I, I hate seeming like I'm just like trying to hype something that I bought and be like, this is a cool thing to buy. It's like totally random. Like Sega AM2 and Yu Suzuki are literally my personal video game god. So if you have like some Final Fantasy creator or someone, go buy their first game. I mean, it's it's weird. Like it's like people follow directors, you know, and writers around. Like, oh, so and so wrote this, or so and so directed this. So I'm definitely going to go watch that movie. Or, you know, that that's not uncommon, but it's uh, less talked about in games. Yeah, we all had to uh, we had to go watch the the first Coen Brothers movie and be like, Blood Simple. Uh, yeah, I bet like, it's got tons yes, of correct. awards and shit. Now that I said that, and I'm going to get a hateful comment. Well, the Coen Brothers do two types of movies, and I think people people go into the Coen Brothers and they always expect like, you know, they they expect like the wacky stuff, but sometimes they do a serious movie that doesn't do all the Coen Brothers thing. It's just a solid movie, um, written by the and or written I'm, or directed. I'm, by the I'm just going to cut my opinion just because the Wikipedia critical response section makes it sound like the most glowingly critically praised movie of all time. So my uh. Uh, my <laughs> my we're, dislike we're of blood though. simple is fucking we're, we're way off topic we're, we're so after off topic stuff but but what's your favorite coen brothers movie go better be barton fink i mean is it fargo you know is it uh like the cop-out answer it's not the big lebowski um yeah it's probably fargo i think fargo fargo no country and a serious man are probably my favorite three hmm Interesting. Uh, yeah. What are your What are your favorite Coen Brothers movies, Johnny? Um, you know it's weird. Uh, I I really like Barton Fink. Um, I love Barton. I think so, so. I think the the I will show you the life of the mind running down the flaming hallway is maybe my favorite scene in a Coen Brothers movie. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's really good. It definitely isn't Lady Killers. Um, nope. Sorry, Lady Killers. Um, yeah, I, I'm like, I really enjoyed raising Arizona, but I, I don't think I still enjoy it as much, but yeah, Fargo's probably too. And then, you know, it, it might be big Lebowski after that or Oh brother. True. Gets also very good. I mean, all of them are pretty good, Johnny. Yeah. I mean, most, most of them, like I even liked Miller's crossing. Um, I, you know, I don't know. Inside Lewin Davis is okay. Hail Caesar has its moments. Ballad of Buster Scruggs, if you haven't watched it, like pretty good. The opening, and then like I thought it got like progressively worse. Some were very yeah, good. The opening like, is definitely the highlight of Ballad of Buster yeah. Scruggs. I, I still think I enjoyed it. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it too, but I mean, I just think it fell off after that. Uh, Raising Arizona has, I think, maybe the best title card of all time. Maybe next to Funny Games, Johnny, which is also a heavy favorite of mine. Oh, uh, just because Raising Arizona's title card is something like 20 minutes into the movie, which is excellent. Uh, I love late yeah. title cards. Johnny, we're a little bit so, off topic. Yeah, we're, we're so <laughs> off topic. You just cut this all out and throw it in after dark. Okay, anyways. That never happens. But um, Nope, never has. Just so anyone 
listing doesn't think they're missing stuff. Um, all right. So let, let's go to the next area, varying intenting. So, you know, we've talked about all these ways to start looking at things. So start looking for variant sets or minor variants. And what kind of variants are we talking about here, Tyler, that people if we're could looking, like go deep into? If we're looking for things that the market doesn't value, I would say variants that people don't put in eBay titles would be variants yeah. to look for. So, for example, something that I'm casually plugging away at is Metroid Prime variants, because I'm the biggest Metroid f- uh, fan on the show, Johnny. There are an mm. unbelievable amount of Metroid Prime variants. There's one with like an IGN logo on the cover that says it's like some IGN thing. There's uh, in between the black label and Player's Choice when they were switching over, retailers put the Player's Choice sticker on the old copies of the game. So it's kind of hard to find a complete in box copy with that Player's Choice sticker because most of them were put on sealed copies of the game. So that's a weird variant to find. Uh, just. All the these variants variant. that, like, you see them all the time. You see them and, like, oh, I don't want the one with, like, the weird badge on it. I just want a regular black label copy. I, of I, I don't want the Kmart variant. Exactly. I don't like, I don't want the fucking the two, Kmart. Is it two Kmart variants? I, I think, think it's, it's just the, there's one variant. Kmart variant, and it was bundled with uh, a Wavebird. Uh, there's one that... Uh, Are I, there two? Like, I haven't, a, like, seriously started mapping out these variants. There's, I just a, also a, there's a Target one. There's a Kmart one. There's that weird text on the side one. Yeah. There's a lot. Is the Napster one for Metroid Prime 2? That's Metroid Prime 2. That's a Target exclusive, I think. And that's only sealed. But yeah, so no one lists which Metroid Prime variant they have in in their thing. So that's the kind of minor variants I would be looking for. But also, like, if you want to go deep into it, uh, no one lists their print codes. There's a, a number on the bottom of NES boxes that is related to like where it is in the box sheet it's come from. It comes from, it's like from one to eight or something like that. So when you combine that number on the bottom of the box with the print code on the top lap of the box, there's literally like hundreds of variants for a lot of games that no one cares about at all. No one. <laughs> so, I, I would really, you know, people are starting to identify print runs, but you know, I, I think that's one that's, I would strike from like, but if you find like weird prints, um, you know, weird later prints, I, I would be looking at like weird later prints, um, and any kind of sticker variant, like people love a sticker variant, especially if you can find it. There's so many weird sticker variants, which sometimes the sticker comes from the store. It was sold out. Sometimes it comes from, um, you know, the production house, the factory or whatever, but yeah, I'd be looking at those. Uh, comics and stuff are just coming around now to some weird variants. They're starting to look more at like third and fourth print books being valuable because they're, you know, comics have kind of shifted back into rarity being like a big driver, like not rarity, um, you know, not scarcity, but like even fake rarity, but like, oh, there's only like, they only printed a thousand of this one. It had four prints, but there was only a thousand of this one and they changed the cover. So go find the fourth print because that's like, you know, there was a million of the other ones, but this one is kind of rare. So that's the one to go get. Um, so I, I would be like, if you want to be ahead of the game right now, people are talking about first prints on, on games for Nintendo. Oh, that's the first or the second print. Uh, but one day we're going to expand past that one day people will wake up and realize, you know, oh, you know, maybe a player's choice is more valuable than we are originally giving it credit for because they made a lot less of those than uh, the first prints. 
Yeah, that's a perfect example of, of something that no one values right now is Player's Choice games. Because I don't value them either. I hate them. They're bullshit. But they are almost always the rarest version of a game. Yeah. And uh, so another thing I wanted to bring up, this is kind of uh, a twofer here. So one, I think that the variants that are hardest to identify or hardest to see in both a sealed game, if you can't tell it from a sealed game or if you can't tell it from an average eBay listing, those are interesting variants to go for because they are the hardest to collect. Uh, the, the obvious tower. example would be PCB variants, but you can go down the rabbit hole. There's like GameCube case variants. Like the literal case has like a physical stamp on it. There's like weird variants for that. Johnny, do you have to go deal with something right now? Yeah, I do. Okay. It's picking up all over Mike. My, <laughs> my son is melting down. So give me two minutes. I think... Some of the most interesting variants are the ones that take a lot of effort to discover. So I would put NES print codes, which are on the flaps of the box in like this medium category, because you could usually ask a seller for that and they might give it to you. If you have a really good seller, they'll show you the flaps on the listing. So you can get that information sometimes. But the perfect example would be PCBs, PCB variants, which is just like this pet peeve of mine that no one cares about them. And uh, there's all these different kinds of like literal box variants, like DVD cases. DVD cases are not generic. You take the inserts out and start comparing your GameCube games. There are different DVD cases for GameCube games. And I don't even know. I, I know nothing about those variants. They have codes. They do. Don't tell anyone. It's a secret, Johnny. It's not a oh, secret, guys. Go Someone figure that out. Like, look at Dan Gomez's desk. He just has a, a bunch of empty DVD cases. And will just be like, here's 12 Xbox 360 cases that look the same, but they're a little different in some way. And maybe there's a bunch of variants to collect uh, within the same game there. But the PCB variants are what get me, Johnny. Because, Johnny, Super Mario 64... I don't. What is what's a card of Super Mario sixty four cost? Is is it forty bucks? Fifty bucks. Probably. Bucks, all right. Yeah. Probably, it's probably gone up. But it sold for one point five million dollars. We don't even know what the first print of that game is. It period. was my chief complaint when we talked about it. No, I know. Fuck. Fuck. I know it's gonna just be Schrodinger's game when we're talking sealed copies. I don't give a shit about sealed copies. But this game at some point was considered the most collectible game on planet Earth, which I know it's not, but it's sold for the most. We don't know all the PCB variants of Super Mario 64. Go to Google right now. Search for Super Mario 64 PCB. You can click the first 10 images. None of them are the same. I click them. There's like a bunch of 1996s, a bunch of 1997s, a couple 1998s in there, and they're all different weeks. And no, like, no one's documenting this. No one's even trying to find the first one of them, let alone all of them. So I think if you're the world's biggest Super Mario 64 fan, and for a game like Super Mario 64, which is probably like $50 loose right now, this would be a significant investment. But you could buy 200 copies of Super Mario 64 and either try to find all the variants, which I think would be incredibly difficult, or in that case, try to find the earliest variants you can. Um, and like literally, got someone message me if you're doing this. I wanted to do this in games and then the games I get outpriced on. 
every once in a while, uh, a lot on Yahoo comes up with like 200 Super Mario Brothers on Famicom. Uh, and I want to win one of those lots just to open all them up and document whatever's in there. Because obviously Super Mario Brothers, loose in Japan, not worth very much money. I want to get a huge lot of Super Mario Brothers and just start cracking them open, trying to find the earliest date code I can find. You should do that. I wish you I'm would. Trying. You know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm being such a cheap ass about it. I'm like seeing these huge lots and I'm bidding like $2.50 a cartridge and it goes for like $3 a cartridge. And I'm like, ah, $3 a cartridge. And uh, I know I should just go for it. But I've got so many other priorities, Johnny. It's hard. There's so many things to buy. I mean, th- this would be this is a good episode for people who don't know what to buy because they think everything's too expensive. I've got plenty to buy that's not expensive that I'm trying to like jump on. Uh, like, like for mm-hmm. example, Johnny, our next category. Man, this we're just flowing into categories except for that 50 minute break we had there. Uh, 50 minute break? You mean like five? Same thing. Video game history, Johnny. Do you care about okay. video game history? Well, I mean, you didn't also talk about, like, in the last one, variant. You didn't talk about cross-region sets and things like that. All right, so talk about that. Never mind. I mean, you could... Like, I, you put this in here, but I'm not sure what you mean versus what I mean when I say cross-region sets. Like, are you saying buying the game, the same game for every region? Because you can, like, yeah. you can find a super expensive Nintendo game. You could buy Contra here for instance we talk about contra a lot but you can get them you know on the on the famicom or you know super contra especially like go get all the other versions get the one in europe go get the one in japan and see how they're different is that what you're trying to allude to and like a lot of times it's way cheaper to buy in other regions i'd say yes i'd say contra is a weird example just because it's super expensive uh on famicom yeah Um, probably easier to do with more modern that's why that's why i switched up to super famicom sure (laughs) but yeah yeah. i mean that's essentially what i meant is it's a variant set you could go for is just getting the same game across every region if you go and look up braveheart on instagram what is whatever braveheart's name is on instagram he sometimes posts like here's 20 of the same nes game from all these weird places in europe so and australia good. yeah he'll like he puts down he's like here's all the ice climbers and you're like holy shit these are all the ice climbers the small box big box japanese korean like there's uh, so many he does things. not collect japanese i figure it Is out it all Johnny. Europe stuff? Oh, he I'm collects sorry. everywhere and then he's like famicom that's not nintendo entertainment system <laughs> you know i'm with him on that because i buy the european stuff because i'm buying nintendo stuff not famicom stuff uh also braveheart listens to this show uh so please correct me if i'm wrong on whether you collect famicom but if you do why don't you post it when you post these amazing sets of games of every version of whatever the latest thing you posted is yeah and it, the last one he did he did wasn't ice climber it was something that was a black box game and it was like a pretty uh, he did uh, River City Ransom, and he posted nine versions of it. Uh, all the other versions are called Street Gangs. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, let's see. Uh, what else? Um, I, I'm doing that with Castlevania to a point. You know, there's like really fun ways, like especially if a game came out on multiple systems. And I'm not just talking like Nintendo. Like if you start to get into it, like with Castlevania, you can buy the MX version. You can buy the Sharp for, uh, there's so many games that are like this too, especially I think the, the MSX is like has so many classic Nintendo games. 
that you could be buying over there too that people don't even look at. And I think, you know, there's cool boxes and different art and stuff. Like I'm not, not just talking about buying the Japanese versions on Famicom, but there's the region is full of other systems that you can be looking at. Uh, so yeah. And some of those, those Castlevania games, I mean, those really aren't the rarest things in the world, but compared yeah. to NES, if you were just plotting their rarity versus their value, they are much rarer and usually cheaper than the NES counterpart, at least for Castlevania, just cause I'm sure Castlevania is like what? $200 now. Uh, it's I just make up prices and assume they're high. I like, don't even look at prices anymore. Yeah. I haven't looked at uh, Castlevania in a bit, uh, but I know a, a nice hang tab one just sold for like a pretty penny. So there's that. Castlevania is $165 according to game value now. So probably $200 for a nice one. Good job, Tyler. Yep. I mean, and back to Castlevania, if we're talking about prints, uh, you know, Castlevania three, that's, the second print better than the, uh, we're, we're calling it second print, but who really knows? The first re major revision of the box art, uh, removing that dumbass red badge, uh, way better copy than the, the first print. Nope. So go don't get be your, uh, go get your contest insert. It's cool to have the insert. It, the Just get both. In Just get insert both. is super cool. Both. Box art, not cool. Right? Uh, I don't know. What is that? I don't know. I, you think, I like seeing you think the, the red, red, the red badge. I'd, I'd rather see the red badge. So I, the, the only time that I think like a badge like that, an advertisement badge is cooler. Uh, Cause I just want to see the art is uh teenage mutant Ninja turtles with the, the pizza variant. Um, because what an excellent cross promotion it was to be like, here, here's a, here's a pizza coupon because why wouldn't you made all the sense in the world. <laughs> I don't know. I, I maybe I've been collecting just like random modern games lately. And a lot of like the versions you want are like version that comes with movie tickets or include soundtrack CD. And you want it. You're I'm like looking for that sticker when I'm going through eBay listings. And I'm like, oh, that one's got the sticker. Well, so I know uh, that's the one with the soundtrack. Well, we we said like, look for sticker variants. Right. And like because yeah. they do weird stuff. Um, yeah, more collectible and the rarity is usually much higher. I, and you know, I love a movie ticket variant because I love movies and crossing that up with games is delicious and, and wonderful. But you know, I, I'm saying like on those ones, I, that red badge is so ugly and so poorly placed on Castlevania. Anyways, I digress. Um, anyways, th so cross region sets is really what we're talking about. Looking at all the regions and, and beyond just regions, looking at other consoles where maybe your favorite game came out, because if you're looking at just the Nintendo version, you're probably looking at the version with the most copies. So like we just talked about it in the turbo episode, uh, or we didn't talk about it in the turbo episode, but like if you wanted altered beast, like you can go get altered beast on, on the PC engine. There's a couple other good Sega games that you're like, Oh man, these are like major Sega titles, but they're on the PC engine. So that's like a cool, fun thing to, to display next to, you know, the Genesis version. So I, I like it. And if you're looking for value, if it's a major series, people have already identified it as value. Now you're going to find uh, a new way to, to make something collectible. All right, Johnny. That's all I got. Uh, video game history, Johnny. Do you think that is something uh, people value right now? No. Uh, because uh, the, uh, yes the matte no. sticker they, sealed Super Mario Brothers is they, the biggest fake, piece of video game history. They fake value it, right? They fake value it. They're like, oh, you don't understand. These are the rarest first 
Prince Bar. It's like the ma- you you're fetishizing the sticker. You know how much I hate fetishizing a sticker or a UPC John, or any of that. You, you know how much. The longer I, I go into this hobby, Johnny, the more it is like, oh man, all that's really different about this is like the cartridge labeler. All that's different about this is this minor thing on the box, and it just it's like, uh, video games is just trading cards plus. We're just collecting a little bit of cardboard that's different from all the other bits of cardboard, Johnny. Yeah. This whole I, hobby's I hate- bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> kinda um but yeah that i don't think people really collect the stick uh the history very much uh we did a the history of of mario which i i didn't do a good job of helping you with uh but i like the series and the conceit of of those episodes and uh i, I promise not to be as bad next episode when we when we do one um but yeah i don't think people are really looking at the history like the whole point of that Mario episode was like all the places you could look at Mario that isn't the Matt sticker seal, Super Mario Brothers, uh, you know, and be like, you know, people say this is the history and maybe it is, but that's not the true history. That's just, you know what that is? It's the, uh, it's the equivalent of uh, a band that's been out for like, I don't know, you know, bands of usually we'll see, we'll say like most bands, right? Like they've been out there making music for a long time. And then they finally hit, right? Whatever that album is, it hits. Maybe it's their second one. Maybe it's their third one. And then, you know, that one's like, oh man, this is it. This is like their first CD. And you're like, oh, CD, uh, track. What, uh, what do kids even call it nowadays? Um, whatever it is, like, no, it's not. That's not their first album. Their first album is actually this. This is only the popular thing that everybody knows about. Um, that's what, that's the version of collecting we're in as far as history right now. And uh, so, no. Do you disagree I, with that? No, I agree. The, the uh, pop culture and characters matter. It, the impact it had on pop culture as a whole matters more than the impact it had on video games as a medium. I think we have plenty of people caring about the history of whatever affected the public conscience. Uh, there's no value right now. I mean, there's obviously people who do put value on this like weird, obscure stuff. Uh, there's no value in the things that created video games. So uh, the perfect example of something I could think of a uh, worthless PS2 game, probably even sealed cost nothing uh, kill switch. It's the prototypical third person shooter. And so there's like all these like weird third person shooters. There's a 3do game. Virtuoso is a third person shooter. That's a really early third person shooter, but kill switch on PS2 it's got a cover system and it inspired all these modern games like Gears of War and Uncharted can be directly tied back to Kill Switch. It's this hugely influential game and there's no real value on it because who the fuck cares about Kill Switch? No one talks about Kill Switch anymore unless someone is specifically discussing the history of video game cover systems or, oh yeah, remember Kill Switch? It had a cover system before that was really a thing. Uh, so games like that, I don't think have value because it didn't affect pop culture, but it hugely affected the video game industry for having this revolutionary cover system. Okay. I think that I, stuff's cool, Johnny. I, I think it's fine. You think it's fine? All right. <laughs> I think it's just swell. Thanks, Tyler. Uh, I mean, the problem with uh, going after stuff like that is the further back you go, everything is an arcade game or like a mainframe game that you can't collect. Right. It's uh, rough. Like you go into the history of 2D shooters. It's like, 
what is really the first important 2D shooter you can collect? Like, okay, we'll say like Space Invaders is probably the most important early 2D shooter. I, the Atari version? <laughs> Are you going to go buy an arcade PCB and just like have a Space Invaders arcade PCB? Is that before Missile Command? Yes, Space Invaders is before Missile Command. I don't know. I don't care about those games. Uh, old games are cool, Johnny. Is is it's cool? Get get some historical games, Johnny. What historical games are you are you buying next? Um, it'll probably be some horror games. What about Black Box? <laughs> Black Box Haunted House. Ha- Black Box Haunted House. Super important. It's part of the Sears labeling. Uh, and the the best version of the game, you know, because it came in a black box. What's historical about it? That it came in a black box and oh it was God. released. It was a telegames ver- release. Yeah. It's Haunted also House the- on Atari 2600. It plays some role in the history of horror games. It is it is a key horror game, I will say. It, to Absolutely. use the key terminology, Haunted House is a key horror game. Uh, I don't know how many people are putting value in that fact right now. Uh, they aren't, but they shouldn't. And like back in the days before this was a podcast and when it was a stupid blog, uh, it's one of the first games I identified as like a Halloween game you should buy. Haunted House, go get it. Very true, Johnny. What also, Sweet Home. Uh, Another. Sweet, maybe the first survival horror game, Johnny. Maybe. Sweet Home is super or cool. Or maybe it's Haunted House on the Magnavox Odyssey. We should have a whole episode about this in October, Johnny. Oh, yeah, we should. Uh, <laughs> that's a, a preview of what's coming soon. Anyways, uh, here's the one I can get behind uh, pretty pretty heavily. Actually, <laughs> games that are actually rare. So, um, beyond the hype, because we know that rarity and money sometimes are following the same arc. But sometimes... Money is, you know, a flat plane. It's like a nothing. It's not expensive. And the rarity is off to the charts. So I like going after uh, games that are actually rare sometimes. That's a, a neat hobby to go in. Um, so, Tyler, you say there's a 0% chance that Rule of Rose is the rarest PS2 game. Is that, do you think that's true? That, there's a 0% chance. You don't think I bet that there Rule are PS2 Rose games absolute... we can go on eBay right now and we can't What about buy. Kuan? Do you think Kuan is maybe the rarest? Uh, you know what, Johnny? I don't think Kuan is the rarest PS2 game. It's, it's just, probably it just hap- some... The, the rarest PS2 game just happens to be from, from software, a super like hyped up developer right now that everyone wants. And there's a couple copies, at least on eBay. I'm saying a couple. And, and in a and in a super, uh, like in one of PS2's key genres, being like Absolutely. survival horror. Yeah. So you um, don't think that's the rarest? It's probably the rarest game is probably um, that uh, retail release. We have to like put that caveat in there. Uh, is probably some stupid soccer game with a variant cover that was only like released in Mexico. Yep. Uh, I'm counting. There are 14 copies of Kuon for the PlayStation 2 American complete in box copies on eBay right now. Uh, I think is that the most expensive PS2 game? Kuon, I think it is. Okay, well, guess what, guys? It's it's not the rarest. Go find out what the rarest is. And like Xbox 360, like that doesn't even have. What's the public conscious for what the rarest Xbox 360 game is? I, uh, you know, I don't know. But on see, like, I don't front, even know for that. Go go ask. Uh, well, uh, go ask all caps on. Uh, Oh, about PS2 stuff and uh, Xbox 360. Who who's the Xbox 360 person? 
I mean, it would be Dan Gomez, but the thing is, when yeah. you ask him what the rarest game is, he'll just yeah, tell you what get... the rarest game is. He's not going to give you, like, whatever the, I don't know, Beatles rock band complete in box is probably pretty rare. That That's kind of an expensive thing. It is I'm looking, I'm on game value now. Like, there's nothing even ridiculously it, it, expensive. It like, it's all uh, just stupid limited edition stuff. You know what it, it you know what it's going to be? It's going to be one of these games that was an Xbox Live arcade game that got like a code in a box and was sold in Target. Uh so actually uh Josh Byerly has said he's uh, he's a proponent of the trough of no value and he thinks like the stuff that's valuable is the stuff that no one thinks to save. So he thinks yeah. like those Xbox Live Arcade cards that everyone just rips rips off, punches in the code and throws out, that those will be valuable one day. Because like every, every, like nothing on Xbox 360 is rare, as far as I know. Um, See, I, you but know, no, who I, has those? I mean, I've got a couple of the dumb like ones that I think are neat to have, but I don't think they're ever going to be valuable. Sure. Um, yeah, I don't know. I think the difference is with... And I agree, right? That, like, we all agree that the the thing that is, uh, we have all this manufactured rarity and collectability now, uh, which is super annoying, but it is what it is, versus back in the day, things got collectible because you, you know, they were meant to be disposed of and you didn't. But the other part of that is there was an item in there, like with toys, like you kept the figure and you tossed the packaging. And the super collectible ones are the figure in the packaging, right? Or you kept the game and the, the more expensive one is the game in the box. There is an artifact in there that is still a, an artifact. You know, the card is like calling the card. The artifact is, is a little weird because it's like the trash. It's not really the artifact. Like what is the more valuable version of it? If you never pulled the tab and you just have an unpulled cut and that's the, the super thing. Like, so like the the code is the artifact. I I can't quite codify how those two uh, mesh perfectly, and maybe there will be some instances where uh, that is true. But I think for the most part, it. I was gonna say I think it, it's gonna be hard for people to collect little uh, cardboard rectangles, and then I realized that trading cards are a thing. So f that. Uh, never mind. Anything's possible. Uh, anything is possible, Johnny. I. I bet within a year and a half, by the end of 2022, I will see some kind of graded Xbox Live arcade game. Like it's just that 2D piece of cardboard. I, I mean, I think you're likely to see the, Zel the Zelda one for the Switch that was like the DLC one. Sure. I'm sure like once they start what? doing Switch games, Wait. like... Okay, hold on. So the expansion pass, did that come with... The, I guess that did come with a little physical thing you could buy to give as a gift, right? Yeah, there was a card, right? But GameStop had like a fake box that you can buy um, printed up. But there was also a card that you could just buy like in Targets and stuff. Okay. Um, Johnny, I'm going to say a great way to find rare games. It it, it takes work. You, you can't type in rarest Xbox 360 games into Google. We're going to do that right now. Rarest Hold on. Xbox Why, 360 the games. easiest way to find a rare game is to go to eBay and type in rare and then see what pops up. Those will obviously all be the rare ones because people wouldn't just use that word as marketing to try and sell their goods. Uh, they would be, you know, they would be respectful of language and the meaning of the word. And they would, you know, everyone's endeavoring to get it right. So only rare things will actually have rare in the title. 
except for games made by Rare, which might also have Rare on the title, though they are not Rare. I think that you should probably go to the R10's YouTube channel and look for oh, the rarest Xbox the rarest. 360 games. <laughs> Man, I hope you guys all got your Earthbound. Okay, I, I just clicked a random article that's going to give me the hype rarest Xbox 360 games. Okay. Uh, their first one, NBA Are they Elite cave 11. shooters? Are, they, what? Is that what they, are they all cave shooters? Uh, I, I literally just scrolled to the top. I'm not going to read this whole article, Johnny. The first one's NBA Elite 11. That's obviously uh, a giant outlier. I don't even know if you can count that as being released. Their number two is El Chavo. I'm going to look for El Chavo on eBay right now. We got one, two, that, three, four, five. Oh, this is El Chavo cart. Hold on. I'm getting this mixed up. El Chavo is like, that's a weird one because that's like a, a series that I think primarily comes out of Mexico. Oh, wait, wait. Is this just mixing up? Is El Chavo a game or is it just El Chavo cart? There's a dozen El Chavo carts. I'm just going to say right. they fucked up. There's like there's like 12. Let's go to the next one. NCAA Football 14. I'm just going to say no. That is clearly not, not, it's not the rare. rare. It's, it's just expensive because, because you couldn't find other college games. But that's coming to an end. So I wonder if those games are all going to take a big fat hit. All right. Next one is Dragon Ball Z Ultimate Tenchachi Collector's Edition. Oh, there's none of these for sale, John. This might be a genuinely rare game we found. Uh, or I'm just typing in whatever, however you spell Tenchachi. Ten, um, or ten maybe kaiji. you're looking on, on an English site when you should be looking uh, you know, at its source I country. don't know. Johnny, all right, here's my point. The point is, the stuff on the blog is going to be for sale. But you go to one of these price charting sites, just chop off the top 10%. All this garbage that people have already decided is valuable. And just go look for a game. Well, the real way to do it is literally search every game on eBay, find what's not available, or just scroll through it. And like Lollipop Chainsaw, yeah, I've heard of that game. So there's going to be copies for sale. Autobahn Police, I have never heard of. Let me go look for Autobahn Police for the Xbox 360. Price tracking has it at $26 right now. There are, there is one complete in box copy with a stock image for sale and then there's two disc only copies and a sealed copy and that's it <coughs> i bet this game is rarer than el chavo card johnny i would i would agree find um, this stuff this is the good stuff guys everyone go buy autobahn polizzi for the xbox 360 confirmed collector's quest it's the rarest xbox 360 game so uh if you go to racket boy and i'm not here to talk smack about racket boy because I, I like them um they they helped me out early in my collecting days but if you look at their, they just printed like a 360 guide not so long ago. You've got games like Ultimate Alliance Gold Edition, uh, the NCA Basketball, El, El Chavo again, uh, Hoops 2K8, uh, FIVA 19 Legacy Edition. And then you have the, the interesting one on that list um, is Fallout 3 DLC Mothership Zeta. Zeta. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's Fallout DLC, but it was sold in a retail case. So, huh? I, this I gets said into I like the the whole thing on modern consoles, where it's like, what counts? Do these DLC things count? Do all these collector's editions count? Because that's what's going to be on these lists. Yeah, and then when you get over into like, uh, I mean, that's just released in the U.S. And then if you go over to like Japan, you know, who knows? Well, that's the other thing. It, it's so hard to carve out what you know, what we don't know from other regions. Uh, like, it's hard to find the rare stuff in the U.S. So if you're like, this is the rarest thing, and then you don't include another region, it, it, it's problematic. Um, 
you know, put your, make sure your caveats are in place. But definitely look them up because if you find the actual rare stuff out of coming out of Japan or even out of Europe, you know, especially on something like 360 where uh, that system wasn't v valued very highly, you're going to have some true gems if it ever takes off. Anyways. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm happy my Autobahn Polize example works, Johnny, because every other game worth over like $25 is a game I've heard of. Uh, so it, it could just be it's a situation like the original Xbox, where if you just want a copy of any game, there's almost nothing rare on the original Xbox. But I think there's so many more games for the 360 that it's got to be some some more. Uh, there's going to there's going to be some like I said, there's going to be some Xbox Live that they put on a disc, you know, or a case with a code in it. There's going to be that kind of stuff. There's going to be a lot of weird stuff on 360. Yeah, so that's not the stuff you'll be able to find on like a price tracking website by just no, punching absolutely in not. Names. You got to look. No for the one weird knows stuff. to be looking for it. Like the Dan Gomez's of the world are the only people paying attention to this right now. I mean, and obviously a few other people, but you know that's not. It's not Nintendo games. Which uh, is part who of the have problem. we uh, who have we not mentioned here? Also, I put shout out to Bird Dog Gaming because his uh, nickname on the show is the actually rare Bird Dog Gaming. Uh, oh. But we've name dropped it. We got Dan Gomez, Josh Barley. Let's let's we got Did Braveheart. You talk about sponsor of the show, Red the Game. Red Shark? the Game Shark. Go get your imports from Red the Game Shark on Instagram. Cheap, cheap Where the games. games. Yeah, the games are always cheap, cheap, uh, cheap, cheap games. Who else? VG Collectaholic, he likes collecting video games. Who else can we throw out there that we always bring up on the uh, show? You, said, you already said Daddy Mulk. Uh, Daddy Mulk knows everything who... about Sega and uh, every yeah. game. I mean, we have... I mean, that might as well be a plug for our Patreon, because all those people are members of our Patreon, where you can join at <laughs> patreon.com slash collectorsquest for as little as two or no more than six dollars because we have a bunch of people who know a bunch about a lot of games uh you know sitting in there all chatting uh, you know it it is a resource unto itself so why aren't you there that's the hard i think that's the hardest i've ever come at it, people to plug it um sorry anyways uh yeah actually rare games what else what hey, else Jeff. about actually rare games oh I didn't have anything else anything on actually else? rare that games. It? I think we we talk about go find. I think the you said it's easier stuff. to do for modern con platforms. Why is that? Why is it easier to do for modern platforms? Uh, Johnny, what's the the rarest NES game? I mean, okay, uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I'm you're breaking my brain, Johnny, because I was gonna say obviously it's stadium events, and then you know I want to go off about like Hong Kong Mahjong <laughs> and Papillon Gals and all this I bullshit, know. but yeah. What's the rarest licensed US NES game? It's stadium events, and then you just have the title games, and then you have the people who are like in the know, quote unquote, who have known anything about NES for the past ever, and they'll say things like pro sport hockey, because everyone like pro sport hockey always like one of the last ten games everyone gets for the NES. Because everyone just yeah. puts it off because it's like, oh, pro sport hockey, but it's there and there's it's an uncommon game. Let me it's let me be more succinct. Out is what I'm trying All right. to say. Yeah. So I was like, let me let me uh, TLDR you. Jesus. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so it's easier to do for modern platforms. That's like finding actual rare stuff because there hasn't been decades and decades of experts mining out the data. Yes. Like NES games at this point, it is like the perfect concoction of its rarity and popularity 
put together and you get this list that's like immutable where it's like the little Samsons and stuff at the top where it's like, this is both rare and it's a really good game. And you filter down into the pro sport hockey and then you get all the way down to Star Tropics where it might be a good game, but it's so common that we just don't value it. And that has only been shaken up recently by things like Super Mario 3 to the moon and, and all the, the popular franchises like that. But yes, the it's generally set in stone based on rarity for the older stuff. Right. And this is one I like because this is this is our spec our, our real speculation right here, Tyler. Let's talk about uh the next item on the list. Uh Johnny, it's literally anything that can't be graded. Uh which is beautiful in every aspect. So Amstrad CPC games, Johnny, no one will buy them because they can't put them in a case and sell them for a huge premium which is a wonderful thing for Amstrad CPC collectors. What are yes. some, some other great examples? Super Famicom. I maybe want a great Super Famicom. No, they don't. I, yeah, um, they, it, they should, though. And, like, you know who would grade them, though, probably, is that VHS <laughs> site, because they're the same size. You'll we'll probably see if it fits in the... It's not the same size as the VHS, Johnny. And they're perfectly aligned. Oh, my God. Exactly the same size. But yeah, Super Famicom is an excellent example because it is is common as fuck, and it, they're, they're so cheap right now. But and it has plenty of history. All the big titles, everything you could ever want out of a system is sitting on the on the Super yeah, Famicom. The best but, box art of any system of all time. Super Famicom games are amazing. Yeah, <laughs> and no Just, one will grade them, so they're very cheap. But once people start grading them, you're gonna see oh. All of a sudden, all of those $5 near mint condition copies that I used to see are not appearing anymore. Yeah. One, one, yeah, your, your second day, day oh, I can't, I can never say it. Your secret of mana over in Japan is going to be super expensive all of a sudden. It's going to get dumb. It's going to get real dumb, people, uh, if it ever happens. I am um, super curious to see, like, if people start caring about complete and box stuff, like, just because the desirable RPG stuff like Secret of Mana and Chrono Trigger is so beyond worthless on Super Famicom. Just, I want to yeah, see if it's possible. You can literally possible. go to Japan and buy an armful of <laughs> yes. Super Nintendo RPGs for like $40. Yes. Anyway, I, I think it's important to point out that a great thing to collect is stuff that can't be graded. Even like Nintendo DS... Like, even, like, Sealed, I think that those prices are held back because WADA doesn't grade DS games. But the second people know that they can just immediately buy games on eBay, send them to WADA, and sell them for four times the price for no reason because it's the magical WADA case. Like, every nothing, you won't be able to get anything Sealed on DS anymore. Yeah, uh, so I'm, I'm going to even, I'm going to go even a little bit more into the minutia on this thing where games that can't be graded, DS is a wonderful example for this. Because if you look at the DS, the stuff that's expensive, they're, they're, they're living in old collector world where they're like, oh, this game is rare and, you know, we don't see any copies. So therefore it's expensive. Yeah, go go find your, uh, what is it? Uh, moto, not Moto Racer, like there's a moto, Power Bike. Power Bike. And uh, Shepherd's Crossing 2s and uh, some burger game and, uh, girls only DS or what? Jewel like all these Master. stupid, yeah. All of, there's a bunch of stupid games that are very expensive. They have nothing to do with anything. They're garbage titles 
from garbage, pro, uh, you know, publishers that no one is ever going to care about. So right now is the time to be going to that system and buying your Mario's, your Zelda's, your Nintendo, anything that was made by Nintendo or Sega, because Sega put out a lot of games on that. Like, go find the big titles that matter in popular culture right now. Because Wada isn't grading those, and when they do, those are going to be the titles, anything that's tied to pop culture, they're going to care about. Who gives a fuck about Shepard's Crossing 2? Nobody. Nobody's going to care. But is there a Jurassic Park game on the DS, Johnny? You Uh, might be the first one to sell it. Yeah. Like, that's what I'm saying. That the world, there's a world of very important games you could go get there that aren't any of the stupid, super expensive rare stuff. They're like I said, they're an old collector land where they're like, yeah, and there's none of these. I'm serious. Like stop. Like people keep trying to, to send, send me down the river on these DS games. They're like, well, this one's super rare. I'm like, I don't care. I, I just cannot make myself care about that game. Oh my. Um, uh, all so, right. but I like, and I spoiler, but I did buy a game that is like kind of expensive for the DS that I, I think you should buy talk about that later okay john is it the the diamond trust of london it is the diamond <laughs> trust of london <laughs> i did not know that in advance no no it's it's oh, not okay. it's not but you should buy the diamond trust of london guaranteed the lowest print run of any <laughs> game because it was like and published like nintendo said this is the smallest print run we allow so we know it was the smallest print run i mean there could be others that have to, but then they did a special edition diamond trust of light it's finally starting to heat up i saw copies like of the of the special edition finally hitting through this has been my spec pick for like 10 years <laughs> Go get your Diamond Trust in London. It's going to pay off one day. Uh, oh, there's one LE on eBay. It's number 344. of, uh, <laughs> Or you can get the sealed regular one. Is, is the regular one cool, Johnny? Because mm-hmm. there's this guy that has over 100 of them. Yeah, he probably has all of them. Once that 100 <laughs> is gone, there isn't going to be any more. Uh, oh this game comes with fucking stamps, Johnny? Yes! Are these... What? Are these real stamps? I don't know. I didn't open my special edition. <laughs> um, oh my god. This is probably the only game that comes with stamps. Two and a half cents. I can't tell. They look like fake stamps, which would make sense. But literally, stamps are cheap enough that they could include real stamps. Uh, I'm looking into this later, Johnny. Okay. It's a hundred. Should I bid a hundred dollars on one? <laughs> it's got a day left. Oh my god. That- is it just the regular version or the special edition? No, the regular ones you can get for $35 new. There's like a Deal Tavern guy who just has infinite copies of that. But should I get Diamond Trust of London Limited Edition number 344 I, for $100? Uh, probably. I think the last one sold for more than that. Uh, well, then I'm not going to win it, Johnny. So that doesn't really help me. Yeah. Um, oh, I thought it was a buy it now. You're saying you have to bid? Oh, no. Oh. I'd be panicking more and trying to figure it out right now. No, it, it's got two days left. Okay. Anyway, anyway, there's your Diamond Trust of London reference of this episode. While we're talking about things Wada won't grade, uh, or that no one will grade. Uh, Look, PC games are a perfect example. Um, But people care about PC games, and they only care about the good ones, or the ones... They already... PC collectors already collect in the way that we talk about collecting. Yeah, I mean, that is kind of a a thing, that PC collectors make way more sense than console collectors. Yes. Uh, Because they collect good games because they literally don't have enough physical space in their house to collect everything for Windows computers. They're just like, oh, let's get all the Half-Lifes and Far Cries and Unreal Tournaments. 
Well, no, but they'll follow people who make the games, right? Like, yeah. oh, this guy made this game. Like, they're already doing all that weird stuff. And they're like, and then it's so littered with variants. So they're already trying to find the best versions or just buying the first prints. Yeah. It's, <laughs> I said this in the Discord, but I wanted to buy an original copy of Unreal and I ended up buying one. Uh, so I looked up Unreal variants, and the best way to do it is to find an Unreal collector and look at their collection. And I like almost cried because the original Unreal, there's like 50 versions of it on on PC and various ports. And I'm just Man, like, I guess I'm just going to get th- a copy. Th- there's just no documentation. Um, one thing we didn't do before we wrap this up. Um, do you have, well? Do you have more to say about this before we wrap no, this no, up? No, we can. I'll, I'll, I people get the idea. There's stuff the market so doesn't just, value. Go find it. Yeah. So I want to just go back to equating it to how comic collectors do this, and I can't express to you guys enough what an ocean of garbage video game collecting is as far as information goes. It's just like it's like you're in the information and you can kind of see it, but like pulling it out and making it useful is so still so hard. And the comic guys just have it down. Like, if you go to Key Collector Comics, that's uh, get two free weeks by putting in code Tom101. <laughs> that's a joke. We have no sponsorship with them. Uh, I don't know who. The, I, he's just like a YouTuber. Uh, sorry, it's an inside joke. Um, but they, like, if you go and you're like, okay, I want to search by categories of things I'm looking for. I'm just going to read a couple. Uh, first appearance. First on-screen appearance. Third appearance. Um, 80s. Um, 80s game. Um, an action figure variant, a card variant, um, 90s cartoons, um, Ashcan covers, Batman like, gadgets. Johnny, like you could apply some of these to video games, like the set of 90s cartoon games. Like yes, who's collecting uh, that besides people who are collecting anything licensed they think they can flip? Exactly. So, they, you know, they've just got all the minutiae, classic cartoons, Looney Tunes. Like they've already got it broken down into this. Cool covers. There's just that thing where it's like cool covers, convention exclusives, which there are now. So like, this is just stuff you're going to be looking at. So if I'm one of these companies and I'm making, uh, you know, making games now, I'm going to start applying everything I know from companies that I've already done it. There's one that's just Disney. Like, oh, that's a filter. You, you should be buying all these Disney games. We talked about it. Um, you know, uh, in the last episode, like we think Disney variants are, are valuable. F you tailspin still a garbage show with the worst theme song. I don't care what anyone <laughs> says, come and fight me. Tailspin has such a garbage. I had like five people trying slide into my DMS to tell me that the tailspin theme song is good. You are not correct. Okay. Go back to listen to your reggae and whatever else you like, but tailspin is not the best one. And, uh, like tailspin is the musical equivalent of steel drums. Not into it. It's out. Not for me. Hate it. I've only seen support for the tailspin hate uh, floating around. Have you? I, I had like in. Oh, thank thank goodness that there are there's a there are some people out there. We we got the crew together, Jen. Don't worry, uh, they're out there. Yeah, we have I had five people, like literally five people, come into my like. They're like, oh, you are so wrong about tailspin. It's the best. They're like, oh no, the tailspin song is fire. I'm like, no. We, Whatever it is, it definitely is not fire. <laughs> Come on. Come on. Anyways, um, the point is, if you go and like, if you go to any of these sites and you like look at how they break things down, it's a good way to go look 
for some other stuff. You know, they've got like you can filter by lenticulars. You could that's a whole set I never would have thought, but there's a bunch of games that have lenticular covers, and you could go if it was a comic book, you could then go find all of those. Get uh, Claymates, here, you gotta get Rygar yeah. on the PS2. Uh yeah. what else you gotta get? There's some special editions with uh, uh, the Ultimate Spider-Man, which is also a comic Ooh. on PS2. Woo! That's one I sh- actually haven't bought yet, and I keep meaning to, and I probably probably missed the boat on that one. But yeah, there, there. Just saying, there's a whole avenue of things to go look at uh, to find collectability where uh, maybe you haven't been looking for. And there's plenty of examples out there. It's not you don't just have to take our word for it. Right, that's all I got on that topic. I wouldn't take our word in anything, Johnny. Are we moving on to We're what have you been the, buying? Uh, collector's, collector's question. It's all good catch, Johnny. I've got that collector's question coming up right now. Oh, yeah. Right now. They, they even have one for valuable third prints. I could just valuable click. third prints? Yes. Comics is such a strange world. The, so comics is even weirder just because like there's a fuckload of video games that come out, but like there's a deluge so of comics. It's it's impossible to comprehend. Like how how does the comic market eat up the supply that comes out? There seems like too much of it, Johnny. I don't know. I mean, well, that's why there's so many comics that are just like worth absolutely nothing. Yeah. But, and now they're doing the manufactured rarity. It's like the 90s all over, but we didn't learn any of the lessons. So like, what, what are you going to do? Johnny, when everything's the rarest, nothing's the rarest. And, you know, one of the things we said was find the rarest games. And, like, the literal rarest PS4 game might be, like, some limited run games thing. But that won't be the hardest to find, which might be a distinction that you need to look for. Sure. But you might want to get the rarest one anyway, because it's probably cool. I'm, stop talking in the Ask the Podcast channel, guys. I'm having such a hard time finding a question. What? Well, just what are you doing? Just yelling at random people? Yes. Why are pogs evil? Here, let me put the cross out sign on that, and we're not going to answer that question. Uh, with all the Wii shovelware that was made, why didn't someone make a pog game for the Wii? Do you think there's hope we can get a VR pod game at some point? That's by DGenX. I don't know if it's a serious question, Johnny. Let's go ahead and just answer it anyways. Do you think we could ever get a VR? I think you probably could. I doubt it would be on a console, but you could probably go to like Tabletop Simulator and get some of that sweet VR action uh, with your virtual pogs. Oh, you know what? Tabletop Simulator, I would not be surprised if it had pogs. Good call, Johnny. Uh, I might just cut all that because that was nonsense. I found two real questions for us. Okay. First is by Tiger Wolf, and we may have answered this years ago, but we're going to get back into it. How did you get into collecting, both collecting in general and specifically video game collecting? Do you remember a specific moment or was it gradual for you? Okay. Uh, do you have an answer? Because I have an answer to this one. Uh, you go Very first, specifically. Yeah. Okay. So it was 2004. And I was with uh, my best friend and uh, another good friend at the time, and Nate and Eric, and we're in Ventura. You know, my buddy had this condo down at the beach, and we would just go down there. It'd be sweet gaming sessions, and we'd just hang out, and we'd go play ping pong. And you'd think we'd, like, maybe go to the beach or something, too, because we were right on the water. Definitely didn't do that. Um, But there was a game crazy 
that we went into. If you don't know what Game Crazy was, it was like uh, the attachment to Hollywood videos that was like their game store. And I was in there and I was like, oh man, they've got, they've got video games in there. I'm just going to go like, look at these used videos. It's like kind of like walking into a GameStop. So I'll, I'll go in there. And I was like, man, I, and there, there was a used, let me clarify. There was a used video game store in my city to that. I walked in plenty of times, but never thought about buying the old games that were sitting there. Like, like oh yeah, I had that game. But for some reason, something clicked in this stupid game crazy and i'm looking at zelda and i just went man i should have every game that i've ever beat like why did i get rid of like i have all of my favorite books why don't i have all of my favorite games that seems ridiculous to me these are the things i i value these things uh you know i talk about them with people why don't i own these things i love it, that's crazy now, I obviously strayed from that path because I have a lot of games that I don't love. Uh, looking at you, most of my collection, uh, I love them in a different way, but like they, like they weren't, you know, they weren't the Metroids and the Zeldas. But I just remember sitting there st staring at that cart and it all just like, man, this is the thing I should like. Why am I not buying these things? And they were all like five bucks or something. So I just bought like a handful of these carts. I was like, Probably man, these are some of my favorite. You probably got hosed. Yeah. I probably was like, I was paying a game crazy price. Like yeah. <laughs> what a dummy. You know, the best value I ever got out of a game crazy was um, buying a Hori controller for uh, uh, the GameCube. So like for Game Boy player games, yeah. now, now that controller is like very expensive. But I was just like, that looks like a Super Nintendo controller and it's 10 bucks. I'll buy it. That was so literally, smart, yeah, that, that my whole thing, like, I like, mean, that's literally that. the, the reason people want it. They're just like, that looks like a Super Nintendo controller for the GameCube. I'll pay anything for it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, but that's like sitting in that game crazy. It all just clicked. And then I was like, oh, now I should go look for more things. I should be going to garage sales. I should be doing this. How do I do this? And I didn't like, like, then it came and then it started to evolve. I was like, well should I have all the boxes or like, do I care about that? Should I find and then Like, cause I got a couple with boxes and then I was like, these don't really sit together. Like that's where the OCD kicked in couple with boxes, couple without boxes, all sitting on a shelf and me going, those don't look great next to each other. How do I fix this? How do I even store these? What am I doing? And, uh, yeah. So it's devolved into whatever the hell I am now. So, uh, Too it bad was you either, went to that game crazy. Yeah. Like it was either <laughs> a huge mistake or, uh, or, uh, you know, a stroke of, uh, genius, uh, you know, and I keep having those moments in my life where, uh, I find out new ways to spend my money on things, uh, instead of putting them into, uh, you know, I don't know, reasonable, uh, reasonable avenues of making more money. I'm like, you know what? There's a hot wheel I got for my fifth birthday. That was like pretty sweet. And I've got a really good memory to, I should go figure out how to go buy that. That's like the kind of shit that my brain is coming up with now, but it revolves around the same kind of thinking. Like I love these things. Uh, why not? Um, no, I, I literally stopped myself yours? from that line of thinking all the time. Like I, there's a specific micro machine set that I had. It was like a missile base that transformed into like the interior of a missile base like a fucking wonder of technology. This was my Castle Grayskull Johnny of the 90s. Um, and like VoiceBot was another one. It was like a little purple robot that you can give voice commands to. But like if I start collecting toys from my childhood, I have enough giant boxes. I don't even have oh, enough yeah. room well, for all I'm the not, consoles. I'm not I saying. Need. 
Like, that's why I bought my Star Wars figures. I didn't buy a whole Star Wars set. I bought like a couple of the nice ones. I still have a few left, but I, I'm not going crazy that way, you know. Um, there's just a few. The, this uh, this stupid Hot Wheel was like, I just remember, like, because I got it for my fifth birthday and it was such a major meltdown moment for me because my mother, uh, she had these grab bags for the other kids. And she was asking me to help her put some together. And the kids were already there at the party. We're in the living room and everyone else is outside on the patio. And it's the only birthday I ever had where like I had a bunch of people show up when I was a little kid. And I don't know like how it even happened. I guess my mom organized all this stuff, which is really unlike her if you've listened to any of our stories. Um, yeah. But whatever happened in this moment, I was having this awesome birthday. And I saw this Hot Wheel. It was this gold Hot Wheel with like like a big motor on the back and like it was like a sports car though and it had like lightning bolts but it was like the shiny like um it looked like gold dust on it so it wasn't like a flat gold it was like um a material looking gold like uh i don't know i don't have the word for it um right now but anyways I lost my shit when my, I was like, that's the coolest thing. I'm like, I want that. And my mom was like, no, this is for the other kids. Just fucking melting down because I was five. But I remember the meltdown. And I remember very like fighting with my mom. And I remember her pulling one out of the closet that was wrapped and just telling me to fucking open it because uh, <laughs> she was so mad at me. Uh, and then it was it was already there. So I, she had already got me. She got me one of all the cars that she was giving to the kids like that were in the grab bags because- she because you're a shitty uh, kid johnny yeah yeah exactly um well i mean it sounds like she shouldn't have enlisted your help would be her solution to this problem Uh, yeah i i mean and i don't know why she did um but maybe she wanted to show you all the cars so then you could be like oh i got all of them maybe i i don't know what the line of logic was but i just like it my five. I also on that birthday got the speeder bike, which is still one of my favorite toys to this day. And I got the speeder bike pilot, like just or scout bike, uh, scout trooper, uh, speeder bike, and the scout trooper. Um, yeah, just like what, some what of my do you favorite mean? You, things. You're talking about Anakin's pod racer, right? Nope, <laughs> that's not what we're talking about at all. Anyways, uh, yeah. So yeah, I just have like weirdly vivid memories from that. Uh, from that party, but that meltdown, like it's one of the, there's like not very many moments. I remember like the full meltdown that's that I had, but, uh, yeah, that was one of them five years old. Now I want to find that car. I don't even know what's called. I'm like, I should find that car. I was telling my wife today. She's like, yes, I know. I've heard the story. Like go find the car. If you fucking care about it. She didn't say that. Cause she was nice. She was <laughs> like, Oh yeah, you should. <laughs> Anyways. Uh, that was a very long answer that, uh, barely applied. Tyler, what, what was the moment that you realized that you wanted to collect video games? What, how did it happen? Well, collecting in general, I would probably call myself a lifelong collector since I was very young. I One of my earliest collections, I remember, I had a nature collection on my bedstand, which was just... Uh, It was like pine cones and rocks and pressed, like, probably weeds... It was it was the worst. Eventually, I figured out that I'm an idiot, and I threw all that out. Uh, but also, uh, my grandpa was a big collector. He collected uh, coins and stamps were the big things. Um, and so he would take me and my brother around to uh, stamp shows in New York City when they happened, at least once a year. Um, and stamps are great for kids, because guess what? Most stamps are worth like less than $0. Like, completely, yeah. you could just give a kid a bag of stamps and be like sort through it, find the cool stuff. And when you're a kid, you're like, wow, 200 stamps, I'm going to find the cool stuff. 
Uh, so I've always had that in me. And then Johnny, in uh, 1999, there was this, uh, it was an obscure thing. It was called uh, the Pokemon trading card game. Oh, uh, in which literally everyone of a certain age became a collector overnight. Uh, and I think I'd, I'd already been like a little bit on the Magic the Gathering train because I remember my first Magic pack I bought was Stronghold. So you could probably tell me off the top of your head when Stronghold came out, 1998? I can't tell you that. All right, whatever. I, I, Str- I, can't, I got into Magic whenever Stronghold came out uh, or whenever Stronghold was in stores. So it might not have been when it came out. Um, but yeah, then Pokemon obviously came along and um, hoarding cards and gel I like I literally I wouldn't trade any of my Pokemon cards. I'm just like I am now. Like if a card is in my collection, I'm like I gotta keep it. It's in my collection. I, I can't trade it away. I need to have both. I can't trade my Zapdos for an Articuno because I need an Articuno and a Zapdos. That's always been my yeah. mentality throughout yeah, my entire how would, life. Yeah, like yeah, why would you do that to yourself? Yeah. And then, you know, once once Pokemon got me going around to the stores and I got into the comic store, like forget it. Like once Magic the Gathering hit me, like Magic the Gathering hits you like a fucking ton of bricks, dude, and oh, you yeah. just it, it, spend all of your money as a teenager on Magic the Gathering. Yeah, it's um Magic the Gathering. What a fuck you Magic the Gathering Jesus. is to money. Like, oh my, Just, if, if you're, like, seriously deep into, like, Alpha Beta Unlimited stuff as an adult, like, I'm sorry that you got into Magic the Gathering, dude. It must I, be a rough life. You know, I don't even collect in Alpha and Beta, like, but I'm still buying Magic cards, right? Like, and the stuff I start collecting in Magic cards is just, like, so stupid. I'm buying buy? Magic cards. I don't even want to collect Magic. I buy the dumbest shit, Johnny. Like, What did you buy? Uh, I mean, besides those faithless looting. <laughs> Yeah. I saw the Faithless Looting. I'm like, this is the worst magic card ever printed. I want eight of them. And they're like 25 cents. And then I just went and bought a bunch of other new shit that I've never seen. I'm like, wow, this is this is cool. Did now buy... they're like making a Drist Jordan card. And it's like, do I need, do I want D&D magic rule cards? Book? It's kind of cool. Did you get the rulebook variant? No. The rulebook variant? I don't have anything from the, the Forgotten Realm stuff. But what do you yeah, mean? Yeah, so... So yeah, there's there there's a regular version of the card from uh, Dungeons and Dragons, and there's also the one that looks like they would appear in a Dungeons and Dragons rulebook with that style art. That's amazing. Like that, yeah, yeah that they're very cool. cheap. What's the, I bought all of them. The hidden what? What's the the vault thing that they do? Uh, secret layer. Secret layer. They just like make it was from the really vault, cool and then fake it, rare like, cards uh, for collectors, yeah. right? That's what they are. What's that? The, the secret layer cards. They're just really cool fake rare cards for collectors. Yeah, yeah. Basically, they're, they're all cards that exist, and they just, like, they say, hey, give us $30. We'll give you these four cards. They might be foil. Maybe they are. Maybe they aren't. And, uh, you know, some of them are, like, awesome and playable and, like, you're happy to get a reissue of, and others are just, like, trash. Uh, like, I think so many of those are cool. And, like, I don't they collect are- magic, and I don't play magic, and I look at them, and I'm like, Fuck, I want these cards just because Magic has its roots in me. So yeah, that's how I became a collector. I mean, I'm sure that's a very common story to become uh, a Magic the Gathering kind of man. Uh, and video games, I could pinpoint video games uh, very easily. You could probably go through the GameStop doc- or GameSpot.com news archive, find out whenever Nintendo announced the Virtual Console that day. I'm like, this is the this is bullshit. $5 for a Nintendo game, $8 for a Super Nintendo game. What do they think? We're idiots? You have to put yourself back in, in what, 2005 or whenever this must have been announced. 
because like this is before horse armor lit the world on fire with oblivion which was a two dollar dlc thing that like lit the world on fire because people didn't want to spend two dollars on cosmetic dlc so the concept of spending eight dollars for a super nintendo game that you don't own when up until this point literally everyone is just like i'm gonna go to the internet i'm gonna download super metroid i'm gonna play it in snes 9x um i thought it was the craziest thing ever and so kind of collecting video games, I already had the collector gene, but specifically going after video games was my way to beat the system, to be like, fuck you, Nintendo. All these games are going to be less than $5 and $8 forever, so let me go get all of them. And that's why I I didn't care about uh, like complete and box things. It was It was strictly about having all the games to play cheaper than Nintendo would charge me for them. You're like, I'm not getting suckered by you, Nintendo. I don't even know when I started, like, you, I probably bought 200 games before I spent more than like $20 on a game, Johnny. Like I literally would just buy everything that's less than a certain amount. Um, and I don't know when I switched over and I'm like, oh, Nintendo. Like, and then I'm on the forums. It's probably just the forums. Like, oh, wow. Nintendo World Championships. Oh, look at these rare Atari games. No one has these. There are nines. And then I got into that mindset. And now here I am now. Here doing you are. whatever now I'm doing podcast. now, Johnny. Yeah. I'm on a podcast buying Japanese Japanese stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you've made it. I think you've uh <laughs> Yeah, that's pretty funny. Um all right, do we have another question or do we you you want to kill it there? Lord Hardstyle Z asks, Do you remember the first game you played and what is it? Lady Hardstyle sends her love. Do I remember the first game I played? I think we've talked about this on the show. Like, Have we? Oh, I'm scared I'm going to give a different answer then. Well, I mean, you know, I the memories all kind of congeal together. So um, in second grade, I remember playing Combat. That was like the first game I played by myself. But like I played arcade games like Pac-Man and stuff uh, before that. You know, so it's hard to pinpoint. But it's like probably a Pac-Man or a pinball machine, honestly. Because um, my dad would take me into arcades and stuff. But... Um, also like crystal caverns and, uh, I call it, I always call it crystal caverns. I forget. I mean, it's crystal castles. I don't know. It's got the bear yeah, wizard crystal castles. on the stupid yeah. Bentley bear. Um, so I, it's a game I should buy. Um, I, I talk about it a lot and I don't know. So that is like, that's the first one I remember not playing, but like telling my dad that that's the one I wanted, um, him to get. But I don't remember what we were playing before that. But I remember playing like Haunted House at a friend's house and stuff. Um, so like pinning it down to exactly, I don't know, it's some Atari game. Um, yeah, not, it's, it's, that's all congealed. That's all in the early times. Sure. Yeah, I mean, it's the same for me. So uh, my dad had a 2600 and I specifically remember playing Missile Command and Kaboom with him on that. But that could have been after I had a Sega Genesis uh, and I got a Sega Genesis with Sonic 2, so it could have been that. My dad also played Wolfenstein 3D Shareware. I specifically remember that because I thought PC-13 was so cool. Because like, oh my god, I'm nowhere near 13 and I'm playing this game. This is amazing. Might have been Wolfenstein 3D. And then my grandpa oh, had a 286, which had Commander Keen and Goodbye Galaxy on it. And a casino game that had strip poker. And I wasn't young enough to know what strip poker was how to play poker, or how to quit the program. And it was only the strip poker program I couldn't quit. So I specifically remember 
I would get stuck in the strip poker program and I'd have to call my grandma over to get me out of the game. And she'd always make some comment like, oh, you're looking at this again. <laughs> oh, you naughty kid. And I had no idea. Like, I didn't see any nudity. I was just like stuck in this game and I don't know how to play poker. So I wasn't winning. So that's another memory of the first <laughs> games for me. <laughs> that's pretty funny. Um, um, all right. Yeah, that's an all right. Moving on. Ask us questions. Yeah. Uh, we're almost uh, out of oh, questions. Uh, what, so hey, go to the- let's send our love back to Lady Hardstyle. Come on now. Uh, Lady Hardstyle, if you're listening, we're sending you love from the Collector's Quest podcast. Also, I'm just saying that name is like leads itself to so many double entendres. We have to be careful. I, I not- don't know what you're talking about, Johnny. Make some double entendres. No. Well, okay. So sounds like no. you're wrong. No, I'm not going to do that. That's disrespectful. I'm saying we shouldn't do that. I'm just saying it's like my my brain just riffs on stuff, and I'm like, oh, that leads us to like we could say something stupid, and now and now I'm what? Just just cutting this. Just the worst content, Johnny. You should cut all. Anyway, <laughs> um, let's talk about what we bought, what we played. Hey, Johnny, what are you buying? What are you playing? Uh, well, I'm definitely not playing World of Warcraft like co-host Stefan, who's not on the show right now. No, he switched from World of Warcraft to EverQuest, so he's uh, probably still playing EverQuest. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm just saying, I'm looking at the Discord and it says World of Warcraft. Oh, but he could have well, just left it on. <laughs> it always says, uh, it always says I'm playing MDG Arena. I'm just, I'm just being an ass for no good reason. Anyways, Tyler, uh, what did I play? I didn't play anything because it has been a hellacious couple of weeks and there's been like zero time. And it's going to be that way, honestly, for, um, like at least the next month. My outlook for free time is pretty poor. Makes me sad. Um, unless you count magic, the gathering, I did see, uh, I did play a little magic, the gathering. So that's that. But what did I buy? Tyler, I bought like almost nothing. Except, I did buy a couple of DS games. I bought Coraline for the DS, Secret Rare. Uh, it's not actually rare, but it is kind of expensive. Uh, all the Coralines, Coraline on the PS2, on the Wii, and on the on the three or on the DS, all kind of expensive. So go ahead and look for those. I bought a really dumb uh, Munsters game for the ZX Spence the ZX spectrum. I'm in. Yes. Yes. Uh, (laughs) And there was multiple copies. Like there was different kinds I could have bought, but I picked the ZX spectrum one on purpose because I liked the case the best. Plus it says it's got a little sticker on it. It says it includes a free t-shirt iron on transfer. And I can't tell if that's like in the box, right? They didn't say if it's included or not. I'm hoping it's in there because I think that would be really cool. Um, the other thing I bought is Alien Infestation for the DS, and that's the one I was talking about. Uh, that's one that that's a game. It's a major property. It's like a shooter. It's got a lot going for it. It is already expensive. It's already like eighty to hundred dollars on the DS. But if you're like have one of those sealed, and one that it comes up one day, like that's going to be one of the ones to have. Uh, so just uh, look for that. And then I bought what what I bought. Um, Wait, hold on. What? Go back to this Alien Infestation game. I'm sorry, this was yep. Alien Infestation for DS. Yep. And you bought it complete in box. Yes. I mean, yeah, it's a DS game. Why? So you bought it what complete in box, but you're saying that, like, sealed, this is going to be rare? No, I'm saying if you were, when we talked about speculating, 
you know, uh, buy, buying things, you know, that aren't graded by WADA yet. I'm saying if you were looking for something, games like this, which check a lot of boxes, are the stuff I would be targeting. Uh, okay, and, and I just wanted properties. to to come back to something that uh, we didn't even mention, Johnny, um, because it's something that I do. Uh, things the market doesn't value is these variants that sell for thousands of dollars, uh, the complete and box version of them. That's literally the same thing without the shrink wrap. And I'm not yeah. talking about your Mario's, which are like hundreds of dollars now. Uh, like Skyrim, a first print of Skyrim can sell for over a thousand dollars on Xbox 360 sealed, which bananas pants on head crazy land. But like a complete box copy, nine dollars shipped with the correct pre-order variant with the high quality map inside. Uh, so another thing market doesn't value, just go see what people are spending thousands of dollars on for modern stuff and just buy the worthless complete in box version. Cause a lot of times like the, the sealed variant that goes crazy just because it is so rare and it is sealed. It does not have that crazy premium for the complete in box version, at least for a lot of the modern stuff. All right. Agreed. I'm sorry. Keep going. Oh, no, it's, it's fine. Um, and then I bought this really dumb game called, Linda Hyde Vampire Mansion. It's a PAL DS game and it's a, you know, a seek and find, uh, you know, game just because Halloween. That, you know me. I'm sorry. That's what is it? Like Linda Hyde? Linda Hyde Vampire Mansion. Oh, Hyde, H Y D E. Yeah. This, this is. It's a hidden object game in the <sighs> vampire world. I mean. It looks look so at the cover and tell me not, how was I not buying? I hate I hate hidden object games that have the little uh, the magnifying glass. Even though that's like what tells you on the box art that it is a hidden object game, it just makes it look so cheap. As if this you know stock photo like image PC of game. a haunted mansion isn't cheap looking. Yeah, I do I like mean, that it's called Vampire Mansion and not Haunted Mansion because there's so many haunted mansions, not many vampire mansions. Yeah. Um, I, I am a little confused by the gravestones on the cover because they're like right in the walkway. It's like, wow, this is a poorly designed mansion. You're like you shouldn't bury people in the direct line to your front door. You'll trip over them. Um, it'll also make difficult. It'll be difficult to get groceries in. That's all I'm saying. Um, anyways, yeah, I bought that dumbass game because there's a big haunted mansion on it. It says vampire in the title and it's Halloween. There's a, a mansion in a graveyard. What do you want from me? Wow. Uh, but this is this is where I, and I, I bought those uh, primal rage cards that I don't know much about. I like they come from Toys R Us. They have moves on the back. That's what I bought. That that's what I bought in the last couple of weeks. Uh, are those what Nintendo Power cards? What were those again? No, no, they're from Toys R Us. Oh, Toys R Us. I'm sorry. Yes, and we don't know what they're from. And like, I mean, someone's like, I don't oh know. man, those guys are just buying stuff. They don't know what it is. Uh, uh yeah, which, for yeah, primal it, rage cards, which looked sweet and had the the moves on them for twenty five cents. Sure, I'll pick that up. No big deal. I spent uh twenty five cents a card is what the cost was. So I was like, yeah, I guess I can buy these. It was like eight cards. Anyways, uh, Johnny, that's what I got. Tyler, what, what about you? I'm playing Shantae. I got nothing new to say still? about that game. Um, yeah, I've got how are you got still RSI. It? I like can't play because of the my hand cramps up playing the 3ds so I can only yeah. play it for like a half hour at a time uh so basically I, I'm wondering if I should just start over and buy the switch version so I could use a pro controller because that I could actually play with 
it's That's literally slow going funny. just because I hate the platform, which it's probably impacting my enjoyment of the game. So I'm very sorry, uh, Shantae. Uh, Why wouldn't you just buy it? Yeah, just go buy the Switch one. Yeah, like now I'm a few hours into it and it would be dumb to start over, Johnny. No, I would it? Or buy a different Shantae and just go. It's going to be the same thing. Johnny, I'm, I bought the Netlink game pack for the Sega Saturn. Did I bring that up on the show? I don't think I did. No, I think, I bought I think it you recently. talked about it elsewhere, but... Okay. Yeah. So, the Netlink game pack, it's a Sega Saturn Netlink, which is the network adapter for it. And it comes with two games. It comes with a Virtual on Netlink Edition and uh, Sega Rally Netlink Edition. Which come in little sleeves. Uh, they come in jewel cases. And so oh, yeah, I had... Yeah, I thought they were sleeves. Uh... So there's the, oh, no, it's the other one triple that, pack is one that yeah, comes that, with sleeves. Okay, yeah. These come in jewel gotcha. cases. And for the longest time, I've had the jewel cases. And I'm like, you know what? Fuck it. I've got the complete Saturn set. And at some point, we, we must have been talking about... I think this must have been on a show one or two shows ago where it came up like, does the Netlink game pack count as part of the Sega Saturn set? Or do yes. just the two games within it count as part of the Sega Saturn set? The whole thing that are part of the box that contains it. Mm, I so Virtual Fighter or is it Virtual Fighter One that only came as a bundled thing in a console bundle? So you need the entire console bundle, Johnny? And you could say yep. yes, that's a totally valid thing. Yes. All right. That's how I feel. That I mean, when I was when I was buying out back Joey, I needed the box because that I considered that a card like part of the cardboard set. Well, yeah. So uh, Outback Joey is, of course, the uh, the one game in the Heartbeat Personal Trainer set, which is what you're saying, Johnny. Nope. Anyway, uh, for the Genesis <laughs> cardboard box set. So because uh, it's just a Genesis Netlink game pack is not the most common thing ever, and it also no one wants it. There is, I don't think this sells very often. I literally bought it not only because it came up on the show, but because Josh Byerly is collecting a Saturn set, and I know he want he will get everything and wants all like the good stuff. And because there was only one reasonably priced copy on eBay, I'm just like, I need to get this before Josh decides he wants it. Uh, only reason I bought it. All right, you you just like I'm gonna get one over on Josh. I Byerly did, and right he's now. probably like that wasn't even on my radar. I'm buying like working designs games. I have so far to go. You're a crazy person, Tyler. The world does not revolve around what I do. Uh, wish he would be right. I bought a Sega CD console, Johnny. I'm so why? Happy. Uh, I don't have a boxed Sega CD at all, and I love the Sega CD. I've said on the show like. Before that, like I have my NES set and my Which Sega one did CD you buy? set, a did model you buy a nice one? one, a nice model one, complete in box. Uh, uh, I don't, yeah, I don't know if I have a model one in box. So the thing that led me, this was like a two-year-long save search. I had this, and I never found one that was both that was both like reasonable enough, like under a thousand dollars. Like people want like crazy money for like the really nice ones. Uh, reasonable enough and cheap enough for me to buy. Oh, I do have a Model 1 box. Sorry. Of course you do, John. You're the best. Uh, it was because... Uh, I think it was on Video Game Sage looking at Sega variants or something, and I came across the strip that goes around the bundled games in a Model 1 Sega CD. Yeah. And I'd never seen that strip before. I brought this up on the show, too. I was like, dude, do you guys know there's a strip for this? And, like, everyone who knows anything about Sega is probably like, yeah, dude, that those games came with a little shitty cardboard strip around them. Yeah, it's a little black cardboard 
Uh, yeah, rapper. it says welcome to the next level on it, yep. I think. Yes, yeah. it does. I didn't know that existed. Because, again, I know nothing about hardware. I collect software. I'm very much a software guy. Uh, and that made me want it so bad. But I didn't want to just buy the games. I wanted the whole Model 1 Sega CD. And it took me like two years. And I'm sure the price doubled in that time. Uh, but I finally got one. Uh, one oh, of my well, favorite congrats. consoles. And uh, yeah, I, uh, the Model One, though, just so for people know, is, is trash. Don't don't buy a Model One Sega CD to try and use. Uh, I mean, I've I've They're never even garbage. hooked a Model One Sega CD up. I think I have yeah, like the, three of them now. The the Model One is the one that the Genesis sits directly on top of. You can either use it with a, a Genesis, uh, the TMS one, or or the the Gen Two Genesis, but. Um, yeah, they that the tray that pops out always breaks to take the disc. Yeah, it, so like, that, that, has that a thing is always tray as opposed to the Model Two, where it just pops up and you put a disc. Yep. In. Yeah, it's like yeah, that and the, the lasers go out on them. Um, still, the best thing to do is just go, you know, buy an XI and you know make sure that that beautiful condition. If you're worried about it, get it recapped and everything, and then just use an XI. That's the Best and easiest way to play both Genesis and Sega CD games. I have only ever played Model 2 Genesis. Like, literally, I don't know if in my entire life I've hooked up and played a Model 1 Genesis. And there's people who'd be like, oh, the sound uh, chip, you have ruined yeah. the whole experience. You, but that's the uh, one. You're using the TMSS yeah. one? You're not. Oh, my God, you heathen. I, you that's see, the one I had as a kid, Johnny. You see the next level screen? Oh, <laughs> you poor. <sighs> Yeah, that, that's the one I had as a kid, so that's the one I'm going to use. Um, and then you put that on a Model 1 Sega CD, and it looks like the dumbest thing ever. So, uh, so I've always used a Model 2 Sega CD, too. Yep. Uh, Johnny, I got a box from Japan. I'll just pick one game for this episode. I got a complete in-box game that I've already mentioned on the show before. Motoko-chan No Wonder Kitchen, which is a Japanese mayonnaise promo game. You mailed in two proof of purchases from a jar of mayonnaise and you got entered into a contest and there were 10,000 winners who won a copy of this game. And this is exactly the type of dumb bullshit that I am buying right now is games with weird stories or just weirdly rare stuff in Japan. Uh, That's weird. I think it's like Cooking Mama is what the actual gameplay is like. Like 10,000 is not like, incredibly rare in the the scale of Japanese games because they've got, they've got so many like weird little contest things. Uh, but I did buy a cartridge of this maybe two years ago and one came up complete. That was pretty low priced. I'm happy to get that. John. Nice. All right. Congrats tower. I Thank mean, it's you. a, it's a, I Mayo is so gross. I cannot like <laughs> I'm one of those people who can't even think about it without gagging a little. Um, I don't like Mayo either. Uh, severe version to it. Meanwhile, like, I probably love a bunch of stuff that's mayonnaise-based. Like, I have, like, a, a buffalo sauce in my fridge. I guarantee it's just spicy mayo, but I don't want to think about regular mayo in a jar on, like, a knife. Oh, <laughs> the consistency and everything is... Uh, like, something happened to me when I was, like, 13 and just... I was in a food uh, home... Like a home at class, basically, um, or maybe it was gourmet foods, and we were talking about mayo and how people use it and like what it's for. And I just so we were talking about the science of mayo and like what it looked like and like what it compares to. And um, they just started comparing it to Vaseline, and then it stuck in my brain, and now <sighs> I, I can't even look at it. Ugh. Yeah, it's like it's like uh, 
those health PSAs are like, this is what a pound of fat is versus a pound of muscle. And the pound of fat just looks disgusting. And then you look at a McDonald's quarter pounder and you're like, well, in that form, it looks quite delicious. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, so gross. Like, uh, now I'm still, now I'm stuck on mayo. Anyways, uh, (laughs) let's move us on. Um, Oh, update guys. Uh, the car I, w- I was talking about, just so if anyone cares, is the Hot Wheels Flame Runner Gold from 1983. That's the car that I lost my mind about and uh, had a meltdown at my birthday with all these other kids at <laughs> and was a shitty little child about. Yeah, I thought there. it was going to be like this amazing car because like Hot Wheels now, like they have all these amazing, weird cars. And yeah. I feel like. I don't know. When I was when I was buying Hot Wheels, I would like have to dig a little to find something like a little weird, a little off the wall in like just this cool shiny color. And if I go to Walmart these days, I just look at Hot Wheels and like every other car is just like this crazy amazing car. And uh your car looks, I don't know, not the most exciting car in the world. I guess it's kind of cool, Johnny. It was the 80s, dude. Uh, what do I you want know from me? I it was wasn't like, the 80s because it was the 1993 Flame Runner Gold, wasn't it? No, 1983. I was. Ooh. I'm old, Tyler. It was 1983. I was oh yeah, how old were you in 1993? Damn. 1993. I was 15. Uh, still playing with Hot Wheels. You know, oh, uh, reserved investment says Hot Wheels is a dying collectible, Johnny. It might be prime time to get in as a collector because uh, the investors are leaving Hot Wheels. Uh, you know, uh, Hot Wheels takes me back to when I was buying Star Wars figures, uh, not as a collectible, but because I like to own them. Uh, I was collecting them, you know, but not like collector. I'm going to make money off these and being at like targets when they opened trying to get uh, the new figures and Hot Wheels guys fighting each other. Like I I had some people fight me on Star Wars stuff a few times, but um, yeah, just like the Hot Wheels guys, there was always like these old fat dudes, which is why I'm an old fat dude now with like bad mustaches and like members only jackets. Like always huffing and puffing to try and get to the backside of Target to uh, to get them Hot Wheels first. There was a uh, was a bad scene. It it is forever tainted the way I look at Hot Wheels. I'm just like Ugh, I hate Hot Wheels. And my son now he's got like cars and stuff. And I my wife's like let's go get him some Hot Wheels. And I still like look at them and kind of go Ugh, <laughs> Hot Wheel collectors. Um, but we were given a bucket of them and I was like, okay, that that's acceptable. But now I'm thinking about buying this hot wheel. It's like $20. So it is truly amazing. How many, uh, how many are for sale sealed of these yeah. 1984 flame runners? There's like, I don't know, six 83. to 10, 83, whatever. Yeah. There's a bunch like 20, yeah. 30 bucks for any yeah, of them. Was, so you have your I pick. Was, I was thinking about buying two. And then giving my oh, son one for his a fifth birthday. Maniac, come on! Oh, let ah. him destroy that history. Never mind, do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. He's gonna crack that open. You got to get the misprint with the car on its side, which probably yes. means it was just stored in a weird way. And over the past forty years, the car flipped on its side in the uh, car. Who, who knows? But yeah, I mean, there's probably a special box you can keep this in. But yeah, I'm, I'm thinking about getting one of these and just throwing it on the little nostalgia shelf and be like, there it is. There's part of my childhood. This this thing was a, an iconic moment in my childhood. It was like one of my one of my like three worst meltdowns ever in my whole life, and it was over this fucking thing. Uh, do you see the the auction that's up right now? 
I don't. I'm not looking that hard. Oh, there's an auction for three cars. It's currently at $12 and $5 shipping. So that's cheaper than just buying your Flame Runner. You should try to win that auction for like 25 bucks, And then you have three 80s cars. Yeah, and this was from the science fiction collection. In fact, oh. you know, all of these cars, uh, now that I'm looking at it, were in the grab bags. Every that's pretty cool. Yeah, that's probably all from the same run. So uh, I'm going to watch this. <laughs> Johnny, right, where can uh, we find you on the internet? You can find me on this podcast and sometimes on Instagram and very occasionally Video Game Sage and the Patreon you can find me. I have not spent enough time there. Uh, also, thank you to all the people who support the show constantly. Uh, I love you guys. It means a lot to me that you guys hang out with us and come on the Discord and and uh, you know that you put your hard-earned dollars I- into us. That it means a lot. Um, Aside from there, those those are the places you can find me, and I'm Johnny underscore Iuchi on Instagram, and just Johnny pretty much everywhere else. I'm Default Gen, Default G-E-N. You can find me on the Video Game Sage and the Instagram. Just send me a message on Instagram. That will be the thing I respond to the most. And then uh, find our other host, Stefan, on the Art of NP on Twitter, and uh, Art underscore of NP. There's It's the Art of NP, but with underscores on Instagram. Um, find him there all and on YouTube. All of his branding is, uh, consolidated now. So hooray. All right, guys, thanks for listening. Hope it made you think about some ways that you might attack collecting differently. Thanks so much for your time and bye. That is our show. I've got some notes here from editing, but I edited it like two weeks ago. So let's see if I can remember what I was trying to bring up. Uh, I mentioned Hulk 182 in this show. I just want to clarify i did intend that as like a bullshit quote-unquote key to bring up i know 180 and 181 are the cool issues of hulk uh i think i said antarctic adventure was hideo kojima's first game it's not it's penguin adventure the sequel to antarctic adventure i'm just gonna guess i got some detail wrong about those hundred gold championship course famicom golf discs i've never even seen one for sale personally so if you're trying to go find one good luck and finally, I think we did the made-up criteria section of this show wrong. I don't think you should look at a game and try to find a criteria that makes it worth it to collect. Although, I mean, certainly do that too. I think we should have come up with like a made-up category and then quickly tried to find what would be the earliest or best thing we could find that fits into that category. So the first game that had like a licensed athlete, I think that's Pele Soccer on Atari 2600, but I'm not sure And that's something I could spend uh, a while researching, going through a bunch of bullshit 1970s games on Moby Games. Or or like the the first game to sell over a million copies. Uh, Atari Pong, maybe? I don't know. I, like, does someone know that off the top of their head? One of you probably does, but you could research that and then get the first mega hit video game. I think that's a more interesting way to look at made up criteria. Thank you to 8-Bit for our intro music, APEBit, like the monkey, 8bit.bandcamp.com if you want to check out more chiptune music. And thank you to the patrons, Richard Patron number one, Bowden, Canadian variant alert, Chris Glidden, Nintendo World Champion, Daniel Jacksvick, High End Collector, Andrew Brim, 50 Hertz is good enough for me, Andre. Video games were meant to be slabbed. Brandon Ackley, Brian Gupta, and Pocky and Rocky with Becky, Mint Condition, Brian J. Mora, the limited, wait, oh, the strictly limited super rare Bruno, sophisticated investor Cartmageddon, 
Fat Cat Collector, Chris Jackson, Chris SNK, Too Many NES Accessories, Morozek, Johnny's GBA Hookup, Coffee with Mr. Saturn, Playing with Power, Connor Strange, The Last Game You Need for Your Set, Corey O'Brien, Unpunched Hang Tab, Dustin Beagle, He Has Returned to Judge This City, Eric Addison, Man of Nintendo in the World of Nintendo, Funky Brewsta, The Actual Shinobi, Jasonic the Kid, Jeff the Game Boy, Ferris, Lance Lord Hardstyle Z, The Degenerate, Matt Ball, Funkoland Employee, Platform Agnostic, Read the Game Shark, The Famicom Box, Retro Game Enthusiast, Sean, The Gamer Collective, Previously Unknown Variant, Tim Walker, from the internet, Todd Fisher, can't put limits on collecting, VG Collectaholic, The Millennium, Will Joe, Keeper of the Zelda Variant, Zero X Def Code, getting the full PS2 set because Stefan won't, all caps, what a 9.8, A++ Benji, the actually rare Bird Dog Gaming, Brandon Rogers, whose favorite episode is the wrestling episode, still finding deals in 2021, Colton Murphy, David Green, he's got that on vinyl, Derek Lauer, who made me edit this show two weeks ago. Don Libby, the hero of time, actually understands the Zelda timeline. Jeff Pierce, Jeremy Jarvis, here for the Pog Talk. Jim Jacobs, world record holder of best collection. Red Pyramid Thing, Jonathan Shados, video game art collector because video games are art. Justin Chichio, lateral movement, who's got a Donkey Kong kill screen coming up. Michael, posted in the Discord right now, Chiaramonti. Nick, the video game database, Morgan. Homebrew Mastermind, Divertov. The other guy who collects Korean releases, Peaceful Games. Dungeon Master, Reed Stubinick. The Promoter, Retro RPG Podcast. High Definition, 16-bit graphics, Stevie Lou. Tom, Obscure Variant, Chaser Chase. Zaventorian, he knows all 97 Nintendo games. Andrew, actually collecting N-Gage O. B-Nugs! B-Nugs! Colby, he is Sinistar. Corhagen does what Nintendo don't. Daniel McArdle, who thought this was the Retronauts Patreon. The Xbox Authority, Danny Gomez. The Modern Database, I'm, I'm just going to change you right now. Uh, Dan, tell me if you want to stay this. I, who even listens to this part of the show? I'm changing you right now to the Modern Database, Danny Gomez. The Philatelist, Dork Overlord. My childhood PlayStation idol, Game-Rave.com. Joe actually plays his games, Champ Pity. Joseph Rogers got 50,000 on Double Dragon. Collector of everything, including Atari, Kale and McAteer. Sam, Sega Mark III, Marks, and Sean the Video Game Illuminati LaCroix. Thank you guys so much.